Podcast like a motherfucker. Amazon podcast. Do you know the number? Episode 37. Yes. I did check before. Okay. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a, a cheat. But uh, Amazon podcast, episode 37. This is going to be a good episode. Yeah, definitely. We've already got like one segment down. <laughs> so super, super, super excited about this one. So loads of stuff to talk about. First things first, we've got a new drinking game. Mm. It's called Ninth Age Bingo. <laughs> So this this came up somewhere on the forum. I don't know where it was, but it, it was like no, it, it's, it's gold though. Yeah, it's, it's it, better than gold edition. Yeah, gold edition <laughs> is coming, but ninth age bingo is more interesting. Yeah, definitely, I think maybe it should be mandatory to bring one of these to your games at a tournament, and then yeah. see what happens. You know, like everyone you, should have a bingo card yeah. at a tournament. Definitely, and just like. Can you can you make them all? You have to bring your own bowl of booze, just yeah. even if it's not allowed. Exactly. Sure. So, so the way ninth age bingo works is. There's a, a grid of 25 different boxes. Mm. That's a... Uh, oh, actually, one, two, three. There's <laughs> <laughs> 25 different boxes. <laughs> and there's five rows of five. So, on uh, each of the boxes, there's, like, something that... It, like a, like a, a subject that when it comes up, that, then, you, then you cross the subject out. Mm. So, it, these are subjects that come up all the time on the yeah, forum. Yeah, exactly. Very, very typical. So, the way that we're going to do it is we're going ha- to play the podcast right now. Mm. And uh, as we go with the podcast, we're going to cross the things out that we talk about. Yeah. And if you get bingo, then you win. <laughs> so, winning means downing a drink, of course. Yeah, obviously. And, and That's what we all want to do anyway, And every, right? time, every time you get one of the things, you, have to, you cross it off and then you drink. Mm. So, let's quickly go through the, the things on the bingo card. Yeah. So, I think next time what we should do is like have a different bingo card each. Yeah, because, exactly. Because then it's more interesting. But actually, what we can do is I'll turn mine 90 degrees... Mm. And then we have a different bingo card. Oh yeah, because we we're going horizontally, right? Yeah, yeah. we want one rows. Row one row is a is the is the bingo. Cool. So let's let's quickly go through all of the, yeah. the bingo slots. Okay, so I'll take the the first row. Yeah. So the first thing is a out of touch dev team, which seems very so development team yeah. out of touch. Yeah. So exactly. if if that's mentioned, then we cross it off. Yeah. And then it's the full rule book, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for B uh, army books. Uh, title says of this forum thread that stuff is dying. Yeah, so this is like meant for the forum, but it's like. Yeah, so but I think it's. Ninth like, age well, is dying. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> <And> pretty much. <laughs> I feel, I'm not sure this is gonna happen, or maybe later in this uh, episode. But rule team shows up. <laughs> <laughs> rule team shows up yeah. and like. You, if, if you're playing this bingo, you you maybe will uh, find a rule team member yeah. pop up on this podcast. Exactly. You never know. Um. The next row is. ETC hate, <laughs> which comes up quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Lord of the Rings release is mentioned. I think this one is the, the most shit in this bingo. Yeah, I, because I, like, I, 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 like who, the, who the fuck cares about Lord of the Rings? But like, what? Yeah. What? I think we should uh, cross this one off and yeah. change it to something. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe we should make uh, make it um, every every time there's it's mentioned that. That team tournaments are not relevant to balancing issues. Yeah, that sure. that should be uh, that should be the the new box for this one. The next one is 
hasn't played since the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Always to get that guy like yeah. on the form, like yeah, definitely. Yeah, I haven't played since the beginning, but <laughs> here are my very strong opinions yeah. <laughs> about everything and why everything should change. I don't know what the next one means. Stunt shows up. Yeah, yeah I have no idea actually either. So maybe we could change this to uh, to uh, like base changes uh, complaints. That that one's already. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh yeah. fuck. Oh yeah. Anyway, and the last one is my round bases for some reason. <laughs> uh, round bases. Yeah. Fucking uh, yeah. fucking war machines. <laughs> that's actually that was actually something I wanted to ask on the interview, but I uh, forgot. Yeah. Never mind. The next one: balance issues. X is overpowered, mm-hmm. and then this one is a free one. So we decided to put in. <laughs> Trolls can't be used anymore! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been reading like fucking page up, page <laughs> down, <laughs> all the fucking Warriors of Dark Gods thread, and it's just, this is just omnipresent. I don't understand, because when, like, when I looked at the old Warriors of Dark Gods list and there was trolls, I was like, this, this is like the most boring unit. I don't want to like make this. This is not Warriors. Yeah. And then they removed them, and everybody was like, oh my god, I have so many trolls and I can't use them. <laughs> like, fuck off. <laughs> You were playing broke shit before, and now yeah. you're getting punished because yeah. <laughs> you can't. Well, you can use your models though. Yeah, exactly. You use, you're rich a beast, Fuck like this. Li- yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, army strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, comes up a lot. Yeah, uh, warriors of the dark good. <laughs> dark gods. <laughs> it's the dark gods. <laughs> I would say we've been drinking for a long time, but we no, haven't. No, no. Yeah, warriors don't... of the dark gods yeah. book is mentioned. This is just excitement. Yeah. Then my square bases. <laughs> Age of Sigma is mentioned. And the magic face is hard, apparently. Does that come up a lot? I don't understand. Like, it, how? I don't know. Well, I, I, yeah, I guess like in the general forum, like there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, it's so complicated because I have to draw cards instead of rolling dice. This hurts my brain. <laughs> I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> Slowly is in the title. Don't get that one. I'm not sure about that one. Maybe we should change that. I don't mm-hmm. know. And it's been months. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that does that come one up comes up a lot. <laughs> Adepticon mentioned. Oh yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that for, one comes up quite yeah, a lot actually. Definitely. <laughs> my, my free time <laughs> comes up all the time. Yeah. My free time. Uh, yeah. The first post is ignored. Is no, the first post is, is ignorant. Ah oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of yeah. Pretty much yeah, every single every post. post. <laughs> <laughs> Why are all the names changed? <laughs> I feel like this connects to I haven't been playing for, for since yeah. the very beginning. Like, why are these different? <laughs> and the last one is X is underpowered. So this is the bingo card that we're playing with. I'm going to turn it 90 degrees. Okay, cool. And uh, we're going we're gonna to see what happens. So, Casimir, first things first. First things first, okay. Second things second, we already did the bingo. Yeah. First things, second things... <laughs> things in the next, The next thing... Yes. I started a Patreon account. What? Yeah. Oh my god, we're getting money? Well, I figured, okay, like my, my, th- my thinking behind this is that we spend a lot of money on alcohol. And yeah. alcohol pretty much fuels this podcast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sober hammer time is like shit hammer time. <laughs> we? Well, well, well yeah. it's more entertaining. I, I enjoy it more when we're drinking. Yeah, me too. So I figure maybe if people enjoy the show, then they can support by buying us a beer. Mm. That's a good so idea. So what I did is I, I set up two, two levels of support. You can, you can pledge $3 a month or $10 a month. Okay. Like, it, like the $10 a month is for like the super fanboy edition. Yeah, definitely. So it's like two beers and shots. So what we're going to do is actually we're going to order some t-shirts soon as well. Yeah. 
So the first person who supports us on the Patreon, I'm going to send you a free T-shirt. An Amatime nice. sheep, a sheep encrusted T-shirt. <laughs> encrusted? What does that imply? <laughs> it's like all like, you know, the crackly I and feel, stuff. I'm going to feed it to a sheep Ooh. and pull it out <laughs> and then send it to you. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you, if you want to support us, like, you can send us like one payment if you want or like mm. a monthly thing. I don't know. It yeah. was more just like an experiment. I have another project, a podcast project that I'm working on at the moment that I'm actually going to use it on. Yeah. And I actually just wanted to see how it worked. Yeah, so cool. if cool. if you want to send us some money, send us some money. If you don't, don't. I, I, it doesn't really... Yeah. We're going to buy beer anyway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love the fact that we're at least being honest. Like, you know, I hate these fucking podcasts who are like, yeah, but I mean, if you support us on Patreon, it means that we could do more things for the show and this kind of stuff, which means they're just going to buy malls. Yeah, yeah. But at least we're, we're not buying we're, fucking yeah. malls. We're getting drunk. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to do this podcast anyway. We enjoy yeah. doing it like... But it, it, it would be okay if, if, if someone, like, I came to Sweden today, hmm. and it would be nice to be able to afford the Sweden tickets or the beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no worries. Like, it, it would be nice if someone supports us, and if you support us, the first person to support us, we're going to send you a t-shirt. Yeah. Simple. Um, I don't know how you find us on Patreon. I guess you just go on the <laughs> website. Yeah, and, you probably just search, search Amazon <laughs> podcast. I haven't got that far with it yet. Um, but yeah, so... Second thing, second, third mm. thing's third, next thing, next. Yeah. There is a doubles Christmas tournament on the 29th of December. Uh, it's run by Tony Hale from the Fantasy Wargaming podcast. Uh, you can find all the information on the forum. It's going to be in Daventry, UK. So if you guys are residents of the UK, uh, that's a tournament over the Christmas period that will be chill, very fun, a bit of Ninth Age to see you through the long winter nights. Uh, also, there is a competition at the moment for BSB Miniature Painting Contest. It's called the Golden Sword, which I guess is going to be the new name for the Ninth Age painting competitions. Uh, you can find this on the news, um, on the news page on the forum, and all the information is there. You can win lots of interesting prizes. I think the first prize is a fifty euro gift card for a company called War Colors Shop. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what they do, but I know that they sell paints. So if you're interested in entering, uh, check it out on the forum. All the information is there on the news tab. Hobby. Hoarders. Hoarders. Yeah. Okay, cool. So back to me not doing anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> back so, to interesting stuff. <laughs> so, so basically, I've been like quite recently single, which, which should mean that I have a lot of hobby time, but it just means I'm spending too much time trying to date women instead <laughs> of actually doing hobby. So, uh, so I've been uh, like, I bought all the malls for my Warriors of Dark God project. So I have... I have everything, and I'm trying to set myself a goal, trying to get it done by a tournament in uh, November? Arshkan? October? Some, some uh, later. It's year. middle November. November, yeah. So November 10th. Yeah, so it's not that... I mean, it's some time left, but not that much time left. Considering I have, like, one mole painted in my whole army so far. <laughs> you have one finished? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be tough, but I, I'm going to at least aim for it to try to get there. And then we'll we'll see what happens. But I've been like I've been assembling my dragon because I'm gonna run obviously a dragon. I've actually seen you. We're gonna have to have a look yeah. at your models in a minute. We're gonna have a look at it later. Uh, but yeah, the plan is to run a dragon and then to fill up more points, run an exalted herald, and then just all the shows and nights because everything else in the book is shit. 
Also, by the way, I'm going to cross that out now. <laughs> Warriors of Dark Gods was mentioned. <laughs> um, something is underpowered. Oh, yeah, baby, you're fucked. So many things. <laughs> so what, what you're saying is um, actually that uh, you, you're actually... You actually have a list in mind, and yeah. you're building your army to the list that you want to play. Yeah, definitely. And it, to be honest, if I'm like, I'm really just building the the malls I want to build rather than a list, which is good because I'm I'm guessing it's gonna change in some way soon. Uh, so like, I'm uh, building a dragon because I want to have a dragon. I'm building a hell mall because I really want to have a hell mall and this kind of stuff. And actually, it, I've been I've been playing Warriors the yeah. last few weeks, and the hell mall looks pretty uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if. Like, what what know, model are you using for it? So I'm us- using, um, I think it's called Bloodvore from Mirrors Miniatures. It's this like big monster with like a really big uh, maul. Oh, that one's really cool. Yeah, I, w- I would like to use that one. Yeah, as well. I can I can show you the maul uh, yeah. later. But it's uh, the funny thing was that so my conversion is basically the base is really big, and it turns out that the base is just wide enough to fill one of the realm gates from Age of Sigmar on the back of the base, and yeah. then have the Bloodvore coming out of it. So I have all that set up, and everything fits. But now some fucking asshole on the Warriors of Dark Gods forum said, Oh, I wonder if you could do this conversion for the Hellmom. I'm like, fuck you, that's my conversion. You can't talk about that. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it won't be as unique anymore when I actually get done with it. But, uh, but we'll see. Sorry, we have, also have UFC on in the background and some yeah. guy just got choked out. Yeah, fuck that was fast. <laughs> Russian dude won. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's what you've been doing in hobby. You've just been building stuff and yeah, try, trying I've, I've to been, use I've your been, free time. Yeah, exactly. The, the very little I have. But I've also been, um, I, I've also been uh, repainting the last of my bases for my online legacies. Yeah, uh, you actually well. finished them all now? No, I have a few left. But, but uh, at least it's getting to the end. Uh, so it's, it's almost done. Uh, so I, I think that that would be nice to have it like off the table. Everything yeah. is kind of unified so you yeah. can use whatever I have. So, so for me, I'm actually like, I'm actually have a list of stuff on my painting table right now. Yeah. And I'm trying to finish my painting table. I'm trying to mm-hmm. like, I'm literally trying to clean my painting table off and just like completely, just completely clear it. If I can completely clear it before Christmas, I'm gonna start a new army. That's my project. Cool. I wanna I wanna start B and yeah. and uh, if I I just wanna get rid of everything on my painting table. So is that realistic? Before Christmas. Yeah. Also, sorry, but how do you define things in your painting table? Everything which is like I have like a, I have like a desk with loads of drawers and stuff. Yeah. And it's pretty much filled of unpainting mod and unpainted models. And I want to finish everything. Everything you have. In everything. The desk. Everything I have which is unpainted, I want to paint before Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Um, Even I'm, unassembled as well, or just. Uh... Yeah. Everything. But to be, to be I, honest, I'm really good at assembling them because it's like my favorite thing in the oh, hobby. Okay. I so, should hire you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always, always happy to assemble people's models. Yeah. I, love, I love it. Um, so I'm pretty good at assembling them. So most of it is assembled. The only thing not assembled is like 10 chosen that you gave me. But yeah. I've already assembled 10. But yeah. I just don't have like the halberds for them or the yeah. great weapons for them. Um, but yeah, I, I recently I finished... I assembled two Chosen Knights, a character on a Karkadan. Uh, I finished painting 12 Queen's Guard and 12 Vampire Knights, and that was in about one month. So I'm pretty fast, so I yeah, can get most crazy. of it done. Yeah. But I think my biggest, my biggest uh, challenge is going to be 40 Ghouls. Uh, like Games Workshop Ghouls? No, or? the... 
Mantic. Oh, okay. Goals. Yeah, but they're they're better. To they're be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they, they seem less annoying to some as well, for from my perspective. Yeah, they're like two yeah. pieces. Exactly right. Yeah. Whereas the Games Workshop goals just look like shit, and they're like five yeah. or six pieces. Yeah, yeah. The Mantic ones are really good. Yeah. They're, I think they're called like Mantic. Uh, maybe even Mantic zombies. Yeah, but they look like. Ghouls, but they look right? kind of yeah. like ghouls, and I'm just gonna paint them in a slightly, slightly different color. Mm. Yeah, they're really cool. Yeah. Um. I bought Queen's Guard from Last Sword Miniatures on oh, my yeah. Kickstarter. Those, you finished those, right? And they, yeah, they I, I, really I, have, nice. I have 20 of them and I made um, I made 12 so far. Okay. I've painted 12 so far. So did, did you notice the banner that I've done on them? Yeah, it's the Cosmos banner. So Casimir, here's a background question for you. Oh, why, no. why is my uh, Queen's Guard banner the banner of becoming? Because it's a really good choice when you make a list. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let me let me give you a bit more context. So, if you're gonna take Queen's Guard, then nine times out of ten, if you're taking a big unit, you're gonna take Banner Carmen. Yeah. Because it's like the only unit that you would ever take it on. Yeah, because it doesn't have to fight combat. Yeah, so exactly. Have it, basically. So I painted my Queen's Guard banner with the cosmology symbol. Yeah. But but, from a background perspective, why would I paint? My because, banner with cosmology. So be, because becoming is kind of uh, brings order to the veil or something, maybe? I think maybe balance is yeah, the Yeah, okay, balance, order. Yeah, but like, so, so it's the balance between cosmos and chaos. Yeah! yeah. So like nothing. You're like a fluff bunny! Fluff bunny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a mixture because it's like yeah. I'm doing it because it's broken. Well, not broken, but because it's the only choice in yeah, the game. And, and also because uh, it's like a fluff yeah. thing. Yeah, so that was kind of. I thought yeah, that was. And I, I thought you, it was a cool. Yeah, a cool I think point you did a make. really good job on the freehand as well. To be honest, uh, it wasn't anything special. It's just like a circle. Yeah, I know, right? But, but it still looks really nice because, like, that's the kind of thing. Freehand is one of those things, you know. Like a lot of people just don't put the effort in, even if yeah. it's. You don't have to do much to make it look really good. So. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have to. I usually practice before I do the freehand, and yeah. I didn't do it in this case because okay. it was quite basic symbol. Yeah. Um, did you also see the vampire knights I did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was really nice with the, like my mini dramas, yeah. like people getting killed and this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Usual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm really happy with actually how they turned out. Yeah, and you have freehand on each of the shields as well. But you told me you weren't sure about the freehand. No, I've I've basically did like a skull with wings on yeah. all the shields. It looks kind of goofy. Yeah, it looks very uh, like nineties uh, yeah. <laughs> Warhammer kind of style. But, yeah. but like, what would you replace it with? If I you... think I think I'm gonna give them individual heraldry. Okay. But yeah, ba that's cool. based on like the von Karstein. Yeah. So make like more bats and stuff. Okay. But uh, because this yeah, is that would this make is them a more special. this is like a new another point that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> There's a a new Kickstarter coming out from Five Force yes, Games. I wanted to also talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's so good. Their yeah. models look amazing. Yeah. Just check them out. Five Forge Games on uh, on the Ninth Edge forum. Yeah. The Kickstarter starts on the twentieth of this month. Twentieth yeah, so like September. Just like next next week again? on Thursday yeah. next week. I've already put it in my calendar so I can jump on that and get like an early bird shit. Yeah, like I, I so I mean there's there's been it's a lot of uh, yeah. Kickstarters I would say, but yeah, this many. is one of the I would say. From from Qu what we've quality. seen, yeah, from what we've seen so far, this has been one of the few, which are having like kind of games workshop quality plastic sculpts released yeah. uh, like you know to 
a reasonable price because yeah. a lot of things are like resting kickstarters which will be more expensive or you know harder to deal with or maybe lower quality sculpts in some cases yeah. but this is like really high quality you know 3d sculpted uh, kind of things which yeah. will also be released in plastic yeah and they they're basically doing i would say i don't know but I th it looks like it's inspired on game of thrones a little bit yeah that's what i would guess as well but then again they've, they've said that they're gonna do elves and this kind of stuff which yeah. is nothing to do yeah. with game of thrones so, so the, their main kickstarter is like uh, humans versus undead yeah so it, they they actually look like the i would say like the the Starks. Yeah, like the Northmen of Game of Thrones. Yeah, in Game of Thrones, like they kind of look like the kind of weapons and yeah, armor and just style. Like kind of uh, quilted uh, robes and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, not pot helmets, but like kind of yeah. um, Con conical helms. Conical. Yeah. And some of the characters are named slightly like they're kind <laughs> of like uh, not ripping them off, but yeah, it's close, right? Yeah. And uh, then the undead is also kind of looking a little bit yeah, similar but, but to it's the not, At least it's kind of what the, the heroes of the undead are not like, uh, no, what are no. they, what they called in Game of Thrones, the frozen dudes. The white walkers. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're not white walkers. It's like still like the... Uh, necromancers and Yeah, things. necromancers and they like they release kind of a white king. A white king. Yeah, exactly. Things, which is yeah. really looks yeah. just like an undead king. Yeah, so, really so basically I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the undead side of this Kickstarter, I think. Yeah. And uh, I'm just gonna throw the like the undead guys into my units, into the zombie units. Yeah. And then I want to use the knights as like my baron knights, and then the the knights that I've already built as my vampire knights. Yeah, I think that's a good. Yeah. One. So so that's why I want to change the heraldry a bit because mm -hmm. I want them to be more like vampire knights yeah. rather than like the baron knights. Yeah. So that that's that was like, the 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 point behind the. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a really good idea. Like, I would love to buy from this Kickstarter, but it's just, like, not supporting any army I already yeah. have, and I, I have too much shit to do. <laughs> and they, yeah, but they also said that they're going to do undead, like, uh, elves and orcs and... Yeah, so, I mean, like, I'll just... Uh, well. I think I'll just keep an, keep an eye out, and hopefully mm. I might just throw a few yeah. bucks their way just to... Yeah, just to get some yeah, models exactly. to support them. Yeah, they, they mention They mentioned orcs on tigers. <laughs> that that sounds not, pretty spicy. Yeah, right, I'm not right. sure, but that could be cool for like a yeah. savage orc army. Yeah, definitely. Or what, what they call now feral orcs? You should probably drink. <laughs> yeah, just drink to be sure. Have we have we um, gone through any of uh, these um, bingo bingo I things? I think so, actually. Um, no. No, not yet. Well, I mean, no, not yet. So, um, have you have you seen any other Kickstarters that you really like? It's been like during the summer. It's been like a little bit quiet. I know actually. Okay, so Shield Wolf uh, miniatures are uh, releasing very soon. I've heard their uh, like plastic uh, paladin kits. So it's kind of armored humans. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't remember the date, but I, I remember reading that they uh, that they're coming out like maybe in October or something. Okay. Which is good. so it's not Kickstarter anymore because they they ran some Kickstarter which they aborted I think for some reason. I yeah, I looked at them as well. Yeah, but... exactly. And I I have a lot of their miniatures from their previous Kickstarter which are are like hard plastic, quite good quality. It's like a little bit soft in the details, but mm. uh, but it's still like pretty good. And uh, and they're releasing soon, so I think if, if people want like Kingdom Equitane or perhaps uh, Empire Sunstone miniatures, I think that's a good place to look as well. Cool. Um, yeah, I've 
I saw Last Sword Miniatures. I've actually pledged on yeah. the Kickstarter. Like the Elden. Uh, yeah, it's finished now, but it's something? yeah, it's it's called Dragon's Roar. This one. Yeah. It's like uh, they they're doing dragon. It's called Dragon Guard. It's like basically they look like Rhymer Knights. Yeah, on foot with great great yeah. weapons. Yeah, I think I saw them as well. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. They're also doing some really nice characters and some. It's called Albus Custodes or something. Okay. And they're like uh, sword masters basically. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. really, really good Kickstarter. Um, yeah, I think you can still late pledge if you okay. if you want. But uh, yeah, I, I as I said, yeah. I already got the archers, yeah. uh, which I'm using as Queen's Guard, and um, yeah, they're really really nice models. Did we did we talk about the Lost Kingdoms miniatures? Yeah, we did last uh, last yeah. episode. That's that's finished, and it was. Uh, I think they pledged all the way through everything, right? Everything was unlocked. I think. I don't know. I think it was like just an insane amount of money they made in the end, and I like well deserved. Their sculpts are yeah, really yeah. really cool. I, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some of those armies on the yeah, table definitely. soon. Me too. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break, get uh, another beer, yeah. and then we'll come back after. Somewhere down the way, there's a hidden place that anyone that all of us could find. But all the maps have failed to venture through the veil and realize. So, Gladys, welcome back to Amazon Podcast. Glad to be back. Um, you were on the show not too long ago, uh, where we interviewed you really briefly at lunchtime uh, at the English Championships. Um, I think it was a really yeah. nice interview, and uh, we got some really interesting information from you. And uh, hopefully, we're gonna get another taste of some Ninth Age background. And <laughs> I see, I'll see how helpful I can be. <laughs> so, so first up, um, Casimir and I we've just been talking about hobby. Um, what, what have you been doing in the hobby recently? Um, I've been trying to select uh, which of the way too many armies I have on my shelves to finish and preparing for the Croatian Masters that will be happening next weekend in Sambor. Cool. I'll most probably be taking the Undying Dynasties oh, nice. to give it a spin. <laughs> so do you have an idea what kind of yeah. uh, lists you're going to run then? Uh, considering it will mainly be the future candidates for the ETC team, I'll probably take the strongest list I can conjure up from the army. Probably some kind of a terracotta commander yeah, list. That's a good one. <laughs> Taking the, the filthy stuff. So yes. apart from, apart from uh, deciding on a list, have you been actually doing any hobby, any painting, any modeling? Uh, yes, I did start repainting some of my old Undying Dynasties models. I did some work on my Highborn Elves, and I'm waiting for some pieces to arrive to convert three Sky Sloops. Three Sky Sloops? When would you need three? <laughs> Is this an upcoming change we need to know about? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So no, nothing like uh, tuna cans and uh, early learning center seagulls. <laughs> no, it's more like um, I ordered things and I'll be getting them. So I thought I would use them to make two normal sky sloops and one for the character. 
Ah, cool. I see. So the third one is for a character. That makes sense. Yeah, that's good. So, what? Actually, how many armies do you own and or play with? Oh, uh, in the in this year, I have played with Dwarven Homes, with Vampire Covenant, with Highborn Elves, and now I'll be using the Undying Dynasties. Um. I will probably take Dread Elves to a tournament in Slovenia in early November, and I do not know where I'll go from there. Cool, cool. So you're actually you're actually playing a lot of different armies, which is really interesting. Yes, I basically I like to change armies because I like to use different approaches to the game with different armies. So. I'm not one of those players that will just select one army and try to run it through all the possible playable playstyles, but pick one playstyle for each of the armies I use and then shift and change to get a more diverse experience. Cool, and I guess that's and actually you know, sorry. I guess that's actually important um, as as a, as part of the executive board or part of the background team because it gives you a larger overview of all the armies rather than just a select opinion on one. Uh, yes. Uh, as far as the current position in management, it basically allows me to form a better connection and understanding of what different sub-army communities are looking for. As far as the background is concerned, it allows me to create emotional connections with different armies and try to be as unbiased as possible when creating background. And then as part of the rules team, it allows me to have a better understanding of all the army mechanics and how they interact and interweave in the game as a whole. Awesome. That's, that's, that's really interesting to, to hear. And it's, I would say it's quite comforting <laughs> as well to, to hear that you're using a lot of different armies. Yeah. So uh, just to start off with the more interesting questions. So we've heard a little bit about this gold edition, which is coming up. Is this, is this a new edition of the Ninth Age? Uh, yes, so gold is basically the term we've been using to uh, say that a document will not be changed from that point onwards. And it is for the second edition of the Ninth Age. We've spent the last three years going from the initial idea of the project and what we wanted to do to realizing that certain things that we did had to be adjusted. And so finally we'll be reaching a point where we can say, okay, the rule book is what we wanted to do and the rule book is here to stay unchanged for a period of time. Awesome. This period is not set, I guess then? Sorry? Like you, you haven't set the period of time yet, it's more of a for the foreseeable future. Uh, yes, for a foreseeable future, but one of the things that we internally discussed and it's most likely to be one of the primary points is that all the army books should be updated into the second edition format with full background and full artwork before we even start contemplating about the next edition. Sounds good. What, what kind of timescale do you, do you put on all of the army books being finished? That is at the moment a million dollar question. <laughs> so we are, 
doing a lot of re-evaluation of our processes from the past three years and how things are currently run and done. I think we will have a much clearer picture sometimes around December or January, but definitely a few years. Okay. Um, about Just with regards to gold itself, obviously there's going to be a new rule book that comes out. Um, will it contain any more background information or any kind of any more interesting things apart from just the rules? Yes, there will be two documents coming out. We are at the moment uncertain if they will be available at the same time or with a time gap between them. So there is the what we currently call the slim documents, the printer-friendly ones which are in black and white and do not contain the artwork or background that will be finished as soon as we can do it and will be released as soon as we can do it. The full rulebook which includes artwork and background has an additional layer of work to be done which includes the involvement of the layout team. At the moment we are a little bit short-staffed in that department so that also influences how soon we can produce that. Interesting. As far as the new content compared to the existing first edition full rulebook, most definitely there will be some corrections from the background that exists in the first rulebook, which slightly changed in the years since it came out. And there will probably be new additions from the background perspective into the new rulebook. Interesting. So you're going to expand a little bit on it? Yes, that is the intention. With gold, will gold coincide with the new Demon Legions book? Yeah. Of unknown at this moment. There are at the moment still quite a lot of moving parts. We are in the process of establishing a schedule for the last quarter um, of the 2018 and the first quarter of 2019. We believe we will have a picture far more crystallized in the beginning of October, how things will be going forward. Okay, so do you, you don't have like a, a date yet that people can expect the Demon Legions book to be ready? I cannot give um, a date at the moment, no. Any kind of ballpark? <laughs> do your best. <laughs> <laughs> No, I would not risk making any statements. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Smart. I would. I would rather have it if it, if we manage to finish it sooner than we currently expect as a nice surprise than say a date and then we overshoot it. Sure, I understand. Cool, but I guess uh, if we're on the subject of the Demon Legion, something that everybody wants to know is kind of. Um, what will be different about the Demon Legions compared to, uh, you know, obviously Games Workshop, except for the fact that it's based on the Seven Deadly Sins that we already know? <sighs> Define different. <laughs> well, the I mean... Army, the, the, go ahead. The army itself does is a spiritual successor. It does take the same general fantasy tropes, themes and styles that are associated with demonic factions and demonic groups, but also it ensures that the 
general concepts people used to associate with certain models in their collections can be recognized in the new concepts we produced for our own Demon Legions faction. Cool, because uh, at least I think on this podcast we, uh, or in our group rather, like we enjoy when things are you know different enough for it to not just feel like a rehash. And I mean, at the same time, I understand there's a lot of people who want to keep using the same walls and so on. But like, it would be really interesting if to see something which is new and fresh, not just like you know keeping the same things and just moving moving them around a little bit. Considering we made seven greater demons, I think there will be pl- plenty of fresh things. Okay, cool. So. If if you were going to describe the nature of demons, how does that differ from the the Warhammer fluff? I mean, my understanding of the demons in the Warhammer fluff is that there's this kind of realm of chaos and and the demons live there and then they come and manifest themselves in the world when when there's when there's enough magic flowing or something like that. Like how how would you how would you describe the, the nature of demons in the Ninth Age? Well, the fundamental difference between what is a demon in the Warhammer setting and what is a demon in the Ninth Age setting is the fact that demons of Warhammer were just mere fragments of gods. And they were manifestations of the dreams, fears and hopes of the mortals that existed in the one world. The Ninth Age demons are not that. They are creatures by themselves. So, but how, okay, so how are these creatures then connected to the gods then? Well, the sins, yeah. Yeah, but I guess like at least in the Warriors book they were um, pictures as gods, right, of each sin. Yeah. They had names and this kind of stuff, but how, how do they connect to the demons? For example, if you are aware of standard Indo-European mythologies and also if you're aware of the Abrahamic mythologies, the easiest way to describe a demon to a lay person not familiar with the Ninth Age setting would be something like angels or or actually in the Greek mythology a demon is a very good representation of what a demon is in the Ninth Age. Okay, could you just maybe elaborate? maybe you could describe that to us lay people? Yeah. <laughs> well, are you all aware what a, what an angel is? I mean, my my biblical mythology is is not so strong, but uh, from my understanding, it's like a creature that lives in heaven and does the willing of the god. Exactly. A nice example. <laughs> and also, the so I, I, and I angels guess... are also free-thinking creatures. Okay. Yeah, which I guess is kind of present because Satan is uh, is a fallen angel and he has like uh, free will in some sense. Exactly. So, so I guess the demons then are kind of creatures that that are that align to a certain god and they get favors from a god but in the same time they have their own free will and they don't always do the bidding of the god if they choose not to or 
How, how does that kind of relationship work between the god and the demon? Uh, it's a bit more complex. It revolves around how powerful is a demon, how powerful is a god in that given relationship, and how many layers in between are in the connection of a demon and a god, because there are hierarchies within the immortal realm in the same way as there are social hierarchies in the mortal realm. So, so what you mean is that the the kind of the greater demons, let's say, are have more autonomy compared to the lesser demons. In general, yes, but not necessarily. I think I think you're being a little vague with this. It's quite hard to uh, to kind of get an idea. Yeah. But uh, that's yes, that's probably so- purposely. <laughs> That's okay. Um, let, let, let's just uh, take an example instead. That might be a bit easier. So let's say um, there's a rent in the veil, and the demons can spill through, and they spill through. And I mean, uh, is is the god of like uh, is it Vashnesh, the god of wrath? Um, is he telling the, the demons of wrath what to do, or are they just trying to spread wrath among the mortal world? Like, how how are they? What's their kind of motivation? let's say. Well, the motivations of demons are as varied as motivations of mortals. So they could be following the orders of a god, they could be following orders of an individual greater demon, they could be just banded together, using the rent in the veil to do their own individual plans. Okay. So, so is it is it fruitful for us to think about them as basically just mortals, but on the other side of the veil? Mm, that would not be a bad comparison, because we have two worlds in our setting. One is the mortal realm, the other one is the immortal realm. One is made of magic, and one is made of matter, and they interact through the veil. Okay. We, we kind of discussed this a little bit on the Warriors of the Dark Gods um, episode that we did. We, we kind of discussed the relationship between Father Chaos and Mother Cosmos. So we, we kind of, we understand that Father Chaos is always trying to penetrate the, the veil and get through to the Mother. But why are the demons interested in enacting this like let's say scheme of father chaos why are the demons why are the demons interested in actually manifesting manifesting themselves in the mortal realm what can they gain from that well first i would like to say if my answers are vague they're intentionally so because the way how we represent background in written form is through an unreliable narrator a lot of questions you're asking me require an omnipotent and omnipresent position to explain them and would put what I'm saying into the minds of the listeners as the canon of the setting, something that we as the background team are trying not to have. I understand, but uh, let, let's, let's try and answer as best you can. <laughs> okay, so first thing, the myth that is uh, shown in the Warriors of Dark Gods is a myth that is circulating among various groups of the warriors. So it is not a universal truth. 
it is not necessarily that chaos is a father or cosmos is a mother. It is simply two concepts that the warriors of the dark gods have associated the male and female gender to it. Different uh, factions in the Ninth Age setting will have different take on the cosmogony of the setting. For example, I'm currently developing the Saurian Ancients background, which will be almost an opposite view of the world toward the warriors or demons. So how about the, the demons? Like we, we mentioned that they kind of, they want to be in the mortal realm. Why do they want to be in the mortal realm? There is no singular motivation. But if, if, do example, you think you could give a general one or, yeah, or an example? For some demons would like to get some material from the mortal realm, considering the matter in the immortal realm is roughly of the same importance as magic as a substance is to the uh, mortals. For example, take an ore of iron from a mine, that could be a motivation. Another motivation would be to spread the ideology of the god they serve. Next one would be just to gather the souls of those who are willing to trade their souls for a little bit of power or to come into service of a dark god. Or they'd just be maniacal creatures that are there to cause chaos and mayhem. Okay. I think that, that explains it quite well for me, at least. Yeah. Like, it, I think it's quite interesting that you, you mention that the, the magic for them is quite a mundane thing, whereas for the mortals, it's, it's quite a, a, like an interesting and sought-after um, resource, whereas for the demons, like an, a piece of iron, which is probably very rare in the immortal realm, is something that would be very sought after. So you can kind of imagine these demons like coming in and trying to like attack a mine or coming in like stealing things and taking them back to their mortal realm because they can use them or trade with them or just like eat them or something. <laughs> yeah, though it should be understood. I'm not certain how much of that was conveyed already through the background. Uh, magic is toxic to mortal creatures in the same way matter is toxic due to through long exposure to the immortal creatures okay interesting so what would be the result of having something material in the immortal realm for example uh, the, the wasteland and the inferno which is a rift in the veil it has an equivalent on the other side where the matter seeps into the immortal realm and poisons the surrounding in that area for the denizens of the immortal realm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's quite cool. Yeah, that's quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, you mentioned the Saurians just now, and uh, Casimir and I, we were, we, were, we have kind of two questions for you um, in the last podcast that we did um, Patrick had quite a 
strong strong opinion <laughs> about um, the Saurians using cosmology. So you say right now you're working on the relationship of the Saurians to like, the veil. Um, would you say that the Saurians are kind of the the protagonist or the antagonist in the Ninth Age? And what's their relationship to chaos and cosmos? Well, from the perspective of mortal races, they are one of the main antagonists. They are the boogeyman from the mists of history and past. Awesome. The terrifying yeah, terror, terror lizards <laughs> of... Yes, basically, try and imagine yourself living and growing up in the Ninth Age world and being brought up on stories of dreadful dinosaur kings who enslaved everyone <laughs> and then a flaming ball fell from the heavens and brought them low, allowing your ancestors to rise up against them with pointy sticks and stone tools. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I want to hear. I'm really, I'm really glad that they're like the bad guys. That's uh, one of the coolest things about this setting, I think. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to have a different bad guy rather than yeah. like in the old setting, it was like the dark gods, but now it, it's, it's, not, it's, it's cool that you're using the, the Saurians as the, like the main, well, not, maybe not the main antagonist, but as a definite antagonist. Yeah. And what about their relationship to chaos and cosmos? Um, I would like to correct you. I would not say use them as an antagonist. Um, I mean, a lot of creatures, a lot of factions in the world would see another group as the main antagonists. A lot of people, especially due to events in more recent history, would see the infernal dwarfs as the big boogeyman. Uh, others might see the Dread Elves with their raids and uh, slave trade. Then there, was, there are also the Hybon Elves who have the naval superiority over the seas and have a stranglehold on world trade. They could also be seen as an antagonist. It depends from which perspective you're looking at the various factions. Then there's also basically represent orcs and goblins that can be seen as one of the main antagonists. What I'm trying to say, there is not a main antagonist in the Ninth Age setting. No, of course, that's something we, we understand, but I think it's definitely a contrast to other settings, like for example in Games Workshop, where the Lizardmen are really like one of the most benevolent factions, mm. I think, in that setting. Whereas here, it's as you say, it's more uh, ambivalent. Mm. So have we, we been reading the same background? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're talking in Warhammer background. We're talking about creatures that, after misreading a tablet, made <laughs> yeah, worldwide yeah, yeah. earthquakes that destroyed cities and sundered civilizations. No, of course, but I mean, like they're in the Warhammer background. The uh, the chaos things are the real bad guys, right? And they're like the force holding them back, except for maybe high elves or whatever. But like it's that's at least the kind of impression you get from reading some of it. But uh, but here it's different, right? Well, it could be said. Yeah, it is not <laughs> as pronounced as in in that other setting. Um, let's let's go back to the uh, the chaos cosmos type thing. In in the last podcast, we we noticed that um, the Saurian ancients no longer have the access to cosmology, 
And this was something that Patrick was very um, opinionated about. Um, even in the actual The Paths of Magic book, it even explicitly talks about the Quattles using cosmology in the, in, the, in the background, but in the game, they don't have access to it. So is this something that you've, you've, used, you've kind of taken a decision from a background point of view? Or is this some other consideration that you've taken to re remove this um, path of magic from the access to the Saurians? Just give me a second, please. I do not recall that passage in the same way as you do. So I think basically when you, if you read the little snippet about cosmology in yeah. the uh, PAPS document, it talks about like the uh, quartals being the main force of order in the world. I yeah. think it says something along those lines. Uh, specifically when it describes the path of uh, cosmology. Yes, but it is meant to represent them as an exemplar of cosmos, not an exemplar of cosmology. So, so what is the difference then uh, between, the, between those two? Uh, quite a lot, because cosmology is a path that tries to understand the building blocks of the existence which in our case, in the case of the Ninth Age setting, are cosmos and chaos. In order to be able to do, go down that path, a creature must both have the mental capability to understand both sides and the willingness to understand them from a dogmatic point of view. Okay, and that's something that the Quartal can do? Uh, chaos as an idea is completely alien to the Saurian way of life, way of thinking and culture. So having access to cosmology is not an option to them. Okay. There is always, there is always a possibility that some random quartal decides to do that, but that would be a fringe case, not something that we intend to represent through a standard army book okay i think um i think what one of patrick's main points was also that the uh, the quartal have access to evocation could you explain from a background point of view why the quartal have access to evocation oh no problem uh if you see what each of the of the four paths that quartal have access to what they represent one represents mastery of the matter one represents mastery over energy. The other one represents mastery over the essence of the mortal realm. And the other one represents what is used in some cases as energy in the mortal realm. Okay, and how does that relate to the Quattle? Uh, they are the only wizards that have access to the four pillars of, cre of on, to the four paths that deal with the four pillars of creation, two pillars of the mortal realm and two pillars of the immortal realm. Okay, so, so you wanted to link these four pillars with the four paths that they have access to? Yes. Interesting, okay. Um, I think maybe the, the Passive Magic <laughs> book needs a little update. Yeah, because I mean, one of the other things we noticed, or rather Patrick and you noticed last time, 
uh, was that, for example, in the thaumaturgy part, it specifically talks about the Empire of Stones, right? Yeah. But then they don't have access oh. to it anymore? Yes, that happened during, in between the creation of the book and the current one. Uh, we did some eternal path changes and that happened. So the Empire of Zonstal had Thaumaturgy exchange for cosmology. That will be updated. Okay. But uh, let, let's, let's use this as a, an example. How, how do the Empire of Stonsol have cosmology when the Quartal doesn't, as an example? Because humans are seen as creatures that like right in the middle, in between chaos as, and cosmos as concepts, being capable to understand both sides and being capable to act in either direction. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, my traditional knowledge of, at least from a, like, I'm, I'm, we, we, are, we are really, really kind of locked into the old Games Workshop fluff because, because we don't have necessarily a completely new setting to go with. Um, let's say, like, the elves, they, they were always, like, kind of adverse to chaos. They're always kind of some, somewhat resistant to chaos, um, but in this setting, the they're like kind of the main cosmos users. I would say, at least that's where the way it's oh, kind of like linked. I would like. I would like to. There is a slight mistake that you are making. Cosmos and cosmology are separate things, though cosmology in the first half of the name com uh, uh, contains the word cosmos. Okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So, so even though even though the elves, I mean, in the old setting were resistant to chaos, in this setting they have some kind of duality. Yes. Um, how to put it? First thing to understand is, I don't think if you if you discussed that before, I did listen to your Warriors of the Dark Gods re background review podcast, but I can't recall any longer. Uh, is the understanding that chaos in the Ninth Age setting is not chaos with the small letter in modern understanding of the word. For example, how it was presented in the background for Warhammer, where it was pandemonium and everything turned up on its head. Chaos in the Ninth Age setting is the mythological chaos with a capital C. Okay, so so I mean, for for like, how would you describe them as being different then, uh, for somebody who doesn't know uh, that much about like the mythological part? Yeah, how would you how would you describe chaos as different from from the Warhammer setting to the Ninth Age setting? So first thing first, chaos does not have to be chaotic. It can be, but it's not uh, a requirement for it. Okay. So how how would like an how would an elf harness the power of chaos as an example? At least from a magical Sorry? point. How would how would an elf harness the power of chaos in a in like a cosmology sense? It is less about harnessing the power of chaos. You are not harnessing the power of chaos but you're acting in ways 
and applying the philosophy that can be attached to the ideology of chaos. Okay. So as you can see, for example, in the spell selection, all of the cosmos spells are some kind of an augment. All of the chaos spells are some kind of a hex or a reduction in ability. That is because chaos in the original mythological sense is lack of something, the void, the great abyss, something which, where all things stop existing. Okay. While cosmos is what currently is, what is creation, what is activity, what is life, and what is growth. Interesting. For example, for example, um, one of the things that was going through our minds when we were developing the cosmology of uh, the ninth age setting, and they, and here I use cosmology in its mythological scientific sense, which means the development of the structure of the setting, was that. Chaos and cosmos are two primordial forces that appear in the Indo-European mythology, which are usually represented by the two different worlds and two different ends of the spectrum of existence. In the modern uh, physical understanding, someone could even say it's a different that chaos could be explained as entropy. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, I have one. Well, that is a very simplistic explanation. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have one more question for you with regards to soaring ancients and passive magic. Um, we 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 discussed this at length <laughs> after quite a few beers and uh, I think three or four bottles of wine. Um, but one thing that we we kind of all not agreed on, but we we thought would be cool would be that if the Saurian ancients could have access to occultism, um, because we, we kind of saw the Saurian ancients as like the, as we mentioned earlier, like the antagonists almost, and based upon um, Mesoamerican cultures like Incas and Aztecs and things like that. And um, one thing that we thought would be really cool is if like the Saurian ancients were sacrificing people and and kind of doing these rituals to gain power like how, how would you react to that kind of idea as a concept in the ninth age i do not have a problem with that there there is also a problem that the community has a hard time agreeing with or understanding is the distribution on the number of paths of magic associated with each army it was a long process which involved both the rules design and background creation where it was decided on the limit from the rules perspective to the number of paths each army should have depending on their uh, background association to the ability in mastering magic and also taking additional feedback from the community poll that was done and that was later used to construct army strengths and weaknesses. So if we look from purely background perspective, each of our factions could very easily have a 
between seven and eight of the paths that are in the Paths of Magic book. But from a rules perspective, in order to ensure as great as possible diversity in between armies, that was limited. Okay. Interesting. Oh, and as far as the uh, Sword of Nations go, Mesoamerica is only one quarter of historical and cultural inspiration for the Saurian ancients in the Ninth Age setting. Could you uh, then elaborate on the other parts which are inspiring you? Um, I think people just need to check the map of the Ninth Age world and they will have a pretty good idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Casimir is yeah. just gonna <laughs> load it up now. <laughs> um, I think this is mostly what we were interested in talking to you about. Um, but do you have, while Casimir is looking for the map, do you have any information you'd like to share with the wider community about um, any other background or anything that you're developing right now? Okay, we have several things currently happening. There is the Orcs and Goblins, which is almost completed. We have teams working on... Oh, that's actually a surprise, so no. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's another thing. There's another thing that people will have to look forward to. We are also finishing the writing on the Demon Legions book. We will be reviewing the general background and there's the Saurian Ancients, there is the second auxiliary book for the Warriors of the Dark Gods. Oh, I'm actually in the process of doing a little bit of background for them, developing further what already exists. And what else is currently happening? Hmm. Oh, and there was a little bit of discussion about the interactions and the implications of orc and goblins within the Infernal Dwarf Society. Okay, interesting. So Casimir's got the map up now, and we can see that there's uh, three main Saurian ancient cities. One in Varentia, which is South America in the modern world. One in Tafria, which is uh, Africa in the modern world. And another one in like the Philippines. Uh, Oceania. Yeah, kind of that, yeah, that kind of area. Um, so the, those three cultures, I guess, must um, inspire you somewhat. Yes. And there's also certain, I think I even mentioned, mentioned that on one of the open forum discussions, there are also some movies there that we're using as inspiration. And there's a lot of inspiration being taken from paleontology. Is there any stories that you could highlight that have inspired you the most with the Saurian Ancients? Stories, uh, okay. Or, uh, or history? Plato's Timaeus and Critias were part were a big part of inspiration. Do you wanna do you wanna elaborate on that? The people who don't know what that is? <laughs> uh the story of Atlantis? Oh Atlantis, okay, sorry. Yeah, go go for it. Why how is how is Atlantis um something that's inspired you for the Soaring Ancients? Well, 
it was an ancient empire which spread across the globe and enslaved other peoples it came into contact with and it was destroyed in a cataclysm that came from the gods and it lasted one day and one night. Interesting. So that's pretty much what happened with the Sauron Ancients. So that's, you can definitely draw from that. So if you look at the map of the Ninth Age world, is there anything on it that reminds you of Atlantis? I mean, the Shattered Sea is obviously the clear, clearly where the comet hit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, apart from that, there's a lot of elven... Um, yeah, like island kings. Islands in the, in the, what would be the Atlantic that would remind me of Atlantis. Yeah, the Shattered Sea is the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> would you say then that the... Is there any... Obviously, like when, when we picture Atlantis, we kind of picture a Hellenistic society. Would you say that the Saurian Ancients are, are Hellenistic in any way? No, I would not say that. Though there are people who say that the Mayas were the Greeks of the Mesoamerica. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're probably referring to some obscure uh, paper here. <laughs> okay, well, I think I think that's about all for tonight. I don't wanna I don't wanna keep you too long on your night, your evening off. But thank you very much for talking to us, and we really appreciate all the information that you give us. And even though you can't always tell us everything, it's it's nice to get a little bit of insight into the world. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Just to just to finish off. What what can you what can you tell us just real quick about the the highborn elves? Just give us give us something. <laughs> can you repeat that? I didn't hear the end of the sentence. <laughs> Definitely trying to avoid this one. <laughs> so um, just just give us just give us some inside info on the highborn elves. Just uh, some kind of background knowledge or just a little tidbit for uh, to keep us going. Um, okay, here's something. Um, search the map of Portsmouth and you might get a nice idea on the geography and the layout of the capital of the Elven Empire. Portsmouth. Portsmouth, okay. Interesting. Far beyond those walls, gleaming black and white, Further than our false schemes of wrong and right To feel we're weak and walk Leaving all our names behind I will meet you there Beyond the pines Temple Welcome back to the podcast. Um, we just had a very interesting interview with Giladis. Yeah. What was your impressions of what we got out of him I think we got a lot of again like conceptual things right mm. but it, it was of course very vague as it should be but it's really interesting to hear at least these like tidbits of what what's going on by on behind the scenes because I mean if you're just reading the background which is released uh, like you you get some kind of experience right but it's uh, it's very like dark as to where this is going yeah. or what's happening and this kind of stuff and it, it's really interesting to hear about like the inspirations and they're thinking about behind it as well yeah i i agree um i think it's really nice to to hear from the 
like the the person who is not writing all the background, but he's obviously like a big part of the development. Yeah, he has a finger in a lot of pies, right? Yeah. So it's interesting to see his opinion on a lot of things, and and we we talked on. We ranted on the last podcast. <laughs> Patrick ranted on the last podcast a lot about the passive magic, and we had quite a lot of discussion about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see their point a little bit more now after listening to Gelades, which is something we we didn't really bring up a lot in that podcast, yeah. I would say. But but so it makes more sense. But it definitely is something that they would need to maybe highlight a little bit more in what they've released so you know so people see their motivations yeah like release some something maybe in the scroll or something related to this yeah it was it was cool that he like talked about like the demons motivations a little bit like oh yeah saying that they like why they come into the mortal realm and and i thought, I thought that was quite cool mm. um one thing that we forgot to ask is about the army strengths and weaknesses oh yeah damn it Hey, hey, bingo card. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Should they really stay? Like, I mean, that's so. So, okay. So, the reason I, uh, I've been listening or listening, I've been reading a lot of like um, this guy Palmo on the um, on the forum, who's uh, like part of the army. uh, What's it called? Design team or something? ADT. Yeah, exactly. And and he's uh, he's a big Undying Dynasties player, and that's why I've seen a lot of his posts. But he's basically been like. I guess he, among other people, have been talking about like that maybe arming strength and weaknesses was like a bad decision or like it's been a mistake kind of to rely on it so heavily. Yeah. It's good. And maybe we, we should have asked him maybe where, where is that going? Uh, yeah. If it's going to stay or, or not. Because if it's going to change with gold. Yeah, gold exactly. or, yeah, and that was the one thing that we forgot to ask. Never mind. We'll see. <laughs> Next time. Um, yeah, so I'm in Sweden. Mm-hmm. I'm here at the Boudoir à la Casimir. Yeah. Um, we're gonna go to. We're gonna have another soiree into what? What? What's the club called? I don't know if I like. I haven't decided where we're going yet, but we're gonna find the young students. No, no. I mean, um, tomorrow. Oh, the club. Okay, like that the, club. The, the ninth age club, <laughs> not the. Yeah, I don't fuck. What? Is it? I think it's called like uh, something games in Sweden. Like, yeah, I don't know. I remember. Like, Good, they're, good, they're, good promotion. Yeah, exactly. They're in Hesleholm. Fuck, I don't know. Anyway, we're, we're having T-T-9 we're having games or something like that. I think. We're, we're having a gaming day tomorrow. Yeah. Um, with Marcel will be there. Uh, yep. And a couple of guys that we played against last time we were in Sweden. Um, I, I I don't really know what the format is, but uh, do you have a list that you're using tomorrow? Uh, so I'm thinking about using something which is similar to what we uh, what, when we played last time in Denmark, yeah. which is kind of two uh, units of chariots, uh, two units of six in core with strider banners, and then uh, both basically with, both with strider banners. Yeah, of course, because okay. fuck terrain. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, can you stride it in passable? No. Uh, then you need to have some ghost step stuff, but uh, yeah. but, but that's you can get that, right? Yeah, I could uh, if you put a character in there with an item, you can, yeah. but. Uh, to be honest, the amount of times that comes up is very, f- like, not that often because the thing about impassable train, at least in the boards we play on, usually is that usually quite big, and you need to be able to make it from one side of the impassable train to the other side. Yeah. And that doesn't really happen that much if you don't like if you charge maybe, but you know that's maybe a risky charge. So I, like, 
it's a really cool option, but with a big footprint such as a charity unit, it's doesn't is not gonna come up. Though. Yeah. Okay. It's like maybe if you had like a unit of five cav or something, or or like something smaller, then yeah. that would be much more applicable. So that's that's not really worked. Yeah, at least that's or, an item and, that you're not gonna really take. Yeah, at least I haven't been able to make it work. Okay. I, and now it, it went up in points in the recent update, and uh, so it's now it's quite hard to make the character which has it uh, like killy slash survival enough while still carrying the item and okay. that's been my issue so I, well, I that's with a lot of items yeah though. exactly but I kind of dropped it because because the pharaoh is kind of slightly overcosted anyway but so so the plan is to two units of chariots and core and then <laughs> I'm just crossing off big go cards <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean balance issues was, was mentioned uh, but then the, after that I have a unit of shaptis uh Two monsters. I'm gonna have one flying sphinx and one normal to keep my models painted and uh, as what you see is what you get. <laughs> and then uh, after that, there's like two units of shaft, like a scorpion, some flyers. Uh, there's some necropolis guards as a bunker. Uh, this tactic, you know, stealing straight straight away from Rasmus Melvik, which is it's a really good tactic. Just uh, cheap, cheap as bunker. Yeah, it's like almost. So you get 15 necropolis guards from special. How many points? It, it's uh, 190 points, and Pretty it's good. kind of uh, it's. <laughs> It's 190 yeah. points. 190 points. Yeah, these bad boys, they're like tough as four, poison attacks. Why don't you, you just have like 10 units of them? That's uh, That was a tactic people used before. But the reason now is is that their res resurrection value is, is a little bit lower. And that is, so it's kind of a little bit hard to sustain units. Anyway, the, the thing is that if you get a skeleton bunker, it's basically as expensive, but from core, but you could get chariots from core instead. And chariots are fucking amazing, so why wouldn't you get chariots instead? So you <laughs> fill up your core of chariots, then you get the little shit-ass bunker, which is as <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually stubborn as well when you have characters in it. So basically, whatever you if somebody charges your Recopolis Guard bunker, you're like, yeah, okay, well, fuck you, you're not going to kill my wizards. I'm just going to stand here and lose like a Molo turn. So that's, that, and it's actually working quite well, I must say. Okay. Uh, so it's the only thing is you need to spend your core points on something else, which is no problem in the Undying Nights. What, what you, you, you spend your core on chariots, right? Yeah, two units of six chariots is 1,200 points. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. No good, so. Cool. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm experimenting a little bit at the moment. I have been playing Warriors. Mm -hmm. um, I've been playing like a, I would say like a mixed arms-ish list. How the fuck do you play mixed arms in a warrior's well, list? They have different weapons, so different Aye. arms. <laughs> Everybody is a greed warrior, so they're like, yeah, fuck all the arms. Yeah, it will actually have been playing with greed warriors as well. Okay. Um, I had like a herald, a sorcerer, and I, I basically like a little bit of everything, just okay. to try and cool. see what works. Yeah. Some things that really work is chosen of wrath with great weapons yeah it's so good <laughs> it's so good okay so the rule for chosen of wrath for wrath like the favor of wrath is that it gives you plus one agility in the first round of combat yeah it gives but, you lightning reflexes in the first yeah. round of combat so basically you fuck great weapons so yeah fuck great weapons yeah. and you get plus one agility and then you also get hit on plus one but your agility six so you don't really care yeah and if you charge your agility seven <laughs> okay. So, and they get and they get three attacks each, and they have two wounds each. Mm. So it's basically like having like a, a unit of ten guys, even though you have five in, yeah. in like small. So they they're deceptive, and yeah, they have they're a free, so small, right? Yeah, they have a free up arm saving and shooting, mm. toughness, oh, fuck, resistance four. Ah. 
And uh, the only 360 points a unit. For five? Yeah. With musicians or no, no, just in just, the pants? Just in the pants. Okay. Uh, actually, I think there's a guy in the UK who was playing like eight units of <laughs> chosen with great weapons. I wonder, and core and characters. <laughs> like, I wonder if... like. I wonder how that plays. Like, I wonder if it's... I think it did pretty well. Yeah, like, it seems like you would smash all the people. Just, like, you just, like, put them after each other and, like, okay, eat each of these yeah. units. But and basically, strike before you. Basically, like, you. yeah. They, they pump out 15 wep- offensive weapon skill... Ah. <laughs> offensive weapon skill 6. Yes. Strength 6 attacks. Uh, agility 6 or 7. Yeah. So, elves, fuck you. <laughs> like... Pretty much anything, you're going first, you're hitting yeah. hitting on threes, wounding on threes or twos. Yeah. With with 15 attacks mm. from a small frontage. Yeah, and then you might have magic as well. Like yeah, yeah. Paired sure. up with evocation or some shit. Yeah, real to hit. Yeah. Real to wound. Exactly. The only thing that you can't deal with is characters coming in and killing the unit. Yeah. But even with 10 wounds, like nothing can do 10 wounds. Mm. So it's, it's pretty safe. Yeah. Like, the, this unit's working really well for me. How many do you run? I've been running two times five. Okay. But um, I think I think it's worth three times five or four times five for sure. Yeah. Um, I've also been running uh, Envy on Chosen Knights and on a Chosen Chariot. How do you find that then? I because really, I really a, like it. I have a unit of Envy Chosen Knights <laughs> okay. on the painting table. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, works really well. Put them on a hill. Yep. De- deploy them on a hill. Yeah. And then you get four dice... Yeah. It's basically like truth of time. Yeah, exactly. It's like, free, Ooh, it's like the best spell it's in the like game. Free free truth of time with a reroll. Yeah. Oh, I, f- and, I fucking and love get, truth of time. Yeah, and you get AP three on the charge, which yeah. is like the key AP number. Yeah, exactly. Because you're you're shrimp five with your halberds mm. on the guys in the back with both the knights and the chariot. Yeah. And then you get that plus one AP when you charge, and that's like the most like the, the yeah, important the crucial, the crucial AP. Yeah. So I think I think the envy envy knights and envy chariot is working really well. And it's also really cheap as well. Yeah, it's like, quite cheap. A lot of stuff in the Warriors Dark Book is overcosted, but uh, but like envy at least for the chosen knights. I think it's thirty six really, points for three. Yeah, exactly. Which is is really reasonable for. So what that makes you get. it twelve points for Mongol. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like for so so what else do you get? You get like real charge and you get maximized charge. Oh, maximized. But you put them on a hill. Yeah, of course. Then you get maximized charge and real yeah. charge. But like that's, maximize that's the, that's and plus trick. one AP as a devastating charge. Yeah, devastating charge. Devastating charge yeah. It's really that, I, that's really good. Yeah, I, th- I think it's cool. Um, what's not working for me is the warriors and core. Yeah. Um, I've been playing with sloth warriors. Okay. Um, with shields and that did, I, I just wanted like a really like a solid anvil like I was yeah. thinking like res 5 and a, and a free up armor save with the spike shields yeah. that's gonna like cause some problems for people but frankly like <laughs> they, they just got taken off and then I I think they'd be better with great weapons or with uh, halberds so, so did the spike shield thing do anything? not really okay because I, that's also something I've been debating, like to us. Maybe one, one or two my, wounds, but. Okay, because I'm I've been I'm assembling mine now, and I'm considering if I should give them shields or not, or if I should just give them like great weapons or. Something. With warriors. Yeah. Are you gonna use them for chosen as well? No, this these are just definitely gonna be normal dudes. I, I don't know what the best build is for them. Yeah. I haven't worked it out yet. I mean, the thing is, that I think halberds halberds seem to be generally the best thing. Okay. 
Well, I mean, if you give them a great weapon, like Elnamol can pass off as anything, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I went for. Like, Halberd, great weapon kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, have, I think I have, uh, I have enough to make half of them in sh- with shields and half of them with great weapons, which yeah. might be a good plan yeah. for some variety. So I also tried Greed Warriors in core, like a big block of Greed Warriors, just for the versatility. But, yeah. Uh, it was the same problem. Didn't really do the I mean, job. It's so expensive. Yeah. Like that's a, I, I faced that uh, at a at the tournament we were in England and mm. it's like I mean that unit was just so many points. It's just like eight hundred points. Fucking, yeah. yeah, exactly. And they had a character in there, I'm like, that's like a thousand two hundred points in that unit <laughs> and it it's shit. Yeah. And I can just splat it with unit yeah. chariot. Yeah, what happened working there were fallen. Mm-hmm. Fallen a fucking baller. Okay. They're so good. Yeah. Put your put your evocation wizard in a unit of fallen because the oh, the yeah. sorcerer is not he doesn't have the whatever it's called like the favor of gods or something like, yeah or of hellforged armor yeah whatever whatever it is he can go in the fallen oh, okay so he hangs around with all the retards <laughs> you sit him at the back yeah. and he does with it with them on the back yeah with evocation don't need line of sight so you just stand behind the warriors yeah and then you pew pewing your magic. And you can just sit in the light troops and move around and. Oh yeah, because they oh he gets light troops as yeah. well. Oh, so this is this is this is a nice little trick, and I'm actually thinking a unit of like twenty fallen is probably quite a good combat block. Okay. Because it's they're pretty much the same price as warriors. Yeah. But they have three attacks each base. Yeah. And the light troops advance six. Yeah. I, th- I think this, I think that okay. could be I think that could work yeah. Yeah, I mean the only drawback is there's not they're not scoring basically. Yeah, they're not scoring. Yeah, so you need to somehow get your scoring. They're also wep- the offensive weapons got five because they have paired weapons. Okay, that's good. So I think they're pretty good. Yeah. And, and also that your conversions are really cool as well. So yeah. <laughs> I like them. They're pretty much like I just got my bits box out. I was like, yeah. okay, I need Suck I, some shit up. I need five fallen for yeah. my army that I want to play at the weekend. Yeah. What can I like? What can I glue together that looks like some kind of <laughs> like warrior mutation yeah. thing? I think I think that was really inspiring because I I have a lot of these. Um, I think they're fucking like fifth or fourth edition warriors or whatever. Like the first plastic warriors games which I ever. Oh, the retard warriors. I have so many of those, <laughs> and I was like, I could just like I looked at yours. And I'm like, I'm never gonna use these as normal warriors, yeah. but I could probably make some really fucked up fallen with these. And I looked mm. at what you did. And I'm like, yeah, this seems like a good plan. Yeah, yeah. I had like uh, random shit in my bits box. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got like this snake tail. I'm just gonna <laughs> make like a snake fallen. Yeah. And I had like a. I had a beast, like a really old beast herd model. It's like, okay, I'm just going to cut its arms and heads off and give it some tentacles and a <laughs> different head. And then I, yeah. I, the other one was like um, like a, a Games Workshop warrior. And then I added, it was like, it had some Tyranid bits or something. Okay. I just like put some Tyranid bits on him <laughs> and just made him like some kind of mutant and then put some green stuff on him all. And, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it was it was fun, quite fun actually. Yeah. I'm gonna enjoy painting them. Yeah, that's like the best kind of conversions, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was completely off the cuff. I was like, I need five fallen. I'm just I was using like the warrior models that I had in my box, but then I was like, okay, I'm actually gonna make some cool models. So. Yeah. But yeah, I think the fallen are cool. Um, what else am I using? Uh, Marauder horsemen, fuck, barbarian horsemen. <laughs> uh, bit rubbish to be honest. Okay. Three plus, three plus some save is nice, but yeah, 
I mean, like that's the that's one of those units which seems like it seems like people think it's good, but yeah, I, I just like I, I'm not I'm, bothering with buying any because I don't want to. I'm like, literally having them in my list because they're scoring and they're yeah. fast. Yeah. Okay. But they're not really contributing anything because no. they can't do shit. Yeah. I think you need like a really big unit to actually do anything. Yeah, like the only the only thing I could think about like them actually doing something is if you run like a barbarian. Uh, Marker Khan. Yeah, like a BSP yeah. uh, guy, and if you just put him on a horse, and it, on a horse he's pretty good because he can get up to like a one plus save relatively easily. He's not that expensive, and he can still fight like okay. Yeah. And then you just use the horseman as so like a way to just uh, deliver him. Some, yeah. Somewhere. Basically. Yeah. I, I'm. As as you'll see my hybrid elf list that I brought for this weekend, yeah. I'm I'm going back to cavalry. I think. Nice. So uh, yeah, really good. Um, I'm using the sorcerer with the soul ledger. Yeah, so this is basically a way to get the reckoning without buying the shit war shrine. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So my build for the sorcerer is wizard master and evocation, mm. uh, soul ledger, and then one plus armor save from the. Uh, the armor that gives you plus three armor. Yeah, yeah. So play armor and then yeah. this one. So he sits in the fallen, pew pews his avocation snipes, mm. and then basically sits behind the warriors and gets veil tokens when they die. Okay. And that's really nice. Like a lot of times in magic phase, there's like times where you have like ten dice. Yeah. Against five dice or something, <laughs> and it's really fucking good. But is that the only magic you're running, or? No, I'm also running an exalted herald. Yeah. And I quite like taking the Sorcerer Immortal. Yep. Because you get the Veil Walker yeah, from exactly. that manifestation. And then that combos really nicely with the extra Veil tokens that you can generate. Yeah, exactly. You can power up all your magic missiles. Yeah, 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 yeah. and comets. So yeah. you can reroll yeah, the wound on the comet. Comic, yeah. The comet is fucking insane. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, it, just having that extra 6 inch range on the Hereditary spell yeah. is quite nice as well um, I was toying with the idea of giving the sorcerer veil walker as well yeah. but I think it's just too many points yeah it's so expensive yeah. like I, the, the only way I would see that working is if you he's I, like the only wizard yeah exactly yeah. if you make him like a wizard master and he's on the dragon and this kind of stuff and he's gonna you know like he's gonna do all the work but yeah. that's it's still over costed for what you yeah. know, I was also considering it. putting the sorcerer on a planquin yeah this is the thing I've been considering as well because then you're like higher than everything else and you yeah. can see over them but if you're running evocation, you don't need to. Yeah, exactly. Because the the spells are not... I don't know what the word is, but you don't need line of sight. Yeah, exactly. It's, I guess, not direct or something. Yeah, whatever whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I, this is something I, I was considering as well. So so what I wanted to do was I wanted to have like a big block of warriors in my uh, core or something. And then uh, put the sorcerer on the planquin in the warriors... And then basically have him with a ledger of souls, so he's always going to be there when they die. Yeah. And then the, the idea was to run this with a Helmaw, and you could teleport this unit to uh, interesting places on the board. The problem is that the Sorcerer does not have Hellforge armor, so he cannot <laughs> he go, go through, through the fucking gates. portals <laughs> unless you buy a hundred and forty-five points upgrade, which is the Veil Walker. And I'm like, I'm not gonna buy that. Is he so, a Hellforge armor? Uh, no, but it, it's like if you want to go through a portal, you have to either have to have, to have Hellforge armor or Veil Walker. Uh, okay. So that's the two things, uh, and basically Veilwalker, I would say, only goes on your sorcerer if he's like a master, and then again, like on a dragon or something. Yeah. And this, the idea would. Can would you put a dragon through a portal? 
Uh, no, because I think it's gigantic. Standard size, right? Uh, yeah. it's, it's not just standard, I think it's, it's uh, everything not gigantic. Okay, towering okay sure, true. But, but, but anyway, like the, it's just, it's, uh, it's really annoying that, uh, <laughs> that uh, he doesn't have Hellforge armor, because it basically means that... But that means he can go in the fallen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it's, it also means that a sorcerer can just basically never go through a portal with the Hellmog. Which is like, uh, do you want your sorcerers going through the portal with the hell? I do, <laughs> because I want, <laughs> I want my warrior block to go into somebody's grill, so they're gonna kill them, and I want my fucking ledger of souls to go there as well. But you can, you can also. Yeah, maybe I should just like. Let, make let, a... Let's say your sorcerer's on a dragon. Yeah. And you're you're teleporting your warriors through the portal, mm. then you just move up your dragon to within twelve inches of the warriors. Yeah, maybe. Or so, something or... interesting as well that works yeah. with the soul ledger. Let's say let's say your chariot dies. Yeah. You get four veil tokens. Mm. Let's say a chosen dies. You get two veil tokens because yeah. it's the number of hit points yeah, exactly. that the model has. Yeah. So long as they have hellforged armor and the chariot has hellforged armor. Yeah. So, so this means that when the chariot dies, or if the chosen chariot dies, you get five veil tokens. Hey, hold the veil tokens. So it actually actually works really well. Yeah, I think that's that's an item which is really cool or yeah. cool definitely. But uh, can you take the Ledger of Souls on non-sorcerers? No, I think it's I think it's wizards only. Ah, oh, fuck. Because otherwise, I would I maybe just like make a I'm combat not, I'm character. I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe make a combat character, put him in a warriors with Ledger of Souls. Yeah, yeah, that would that would work as yeah. well. Yeah, but you, you have to have enough magic to do it, and then you may as well just take it on your yeah, wizard exactly. because you want to yeah, have well, your combat um, character with. Yeah, the plan. The plan at stuff. the moment, if I manage to finish my list, is to have. A Sorcerer on the Dragon and the uh, Exalted Herald, and I'll probably just put the Ledger of Souls on the Sorcerer. Yeah. The Have you played Wars of Dogcut? No. <laughs> I'm just like, this is all theory! <laughs> Everything is in theory! Yeah. I, I've played four games with them, but I, I think I've like quite, I've got like a good understanding of how they work now, I, okay. I, I think from four games. Um, I think they're not very good. But I mean, this is something I guess I have accepted yeah. at this point. But but uh, I mean, they're as uh, we've heard, I guess on the uh, on the forum, at least me, they're kind of the focused on the next update, which is gonna happen, I guess, before Gold Edition. Like the next balance update is is uh, from what I've heard is gonna be mostly about the warriors. At really? least that's what okay. they're, that's uh, what they're saying on the warriors. Uh, okay. I don't know when it's gonna be released, but at least they're they're putting effort into making them better. Yeah, well, this is something that we should have asked Gladys as well. <laughs> We're so bad. We're just going to have another interview with yeah, him, yeah. I guess. Just call him now. Hey, yeah. do you have like five minutes to talk about like army books and army strengths and weaknesses? Oh, shit, army books, yay! Oh. <laughs> how, how are you doing on your bingo, Casimir? Do you have any nearly complete rows? Mm, well, maybe. I have I have two that I've crossed two off. Yeah, I have one with three. And three. Oh, you have one with three? Oh, yeah, here. Here okay. we go. So, soon. Okay, and this one's an easy one to get. Yeah. Over. <laughs> okay, so uh, my hype enough list mm. that I'm going to use tomorrow. Yeah. It's a little bit inspired by uh, Dante's comments on the hype enough thread. If you've been following, I have not been following. Please enlighten me. So, so basically, what happened in the UK was, uh, I'm not sure if it, I think it was coincidence, but a lot of the UK ETC team all decided to pick up Hibern Elves at the same time and all yeah. played the tournament yeah. with Hibern Elves. And they won everything. Uh, I don't know. They, I think a lot of them did well. Yeah. But Dante won the tournament with Hibern Elves. Yeah, but to be honest, he seems like he's winning with whatever, whatever he plays. Whatever he plays, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, he's a really good player. Yeah. 
and um, so I, I looked at his list and like listened, like looked at a lot of his what he was saying. I was like, actually, he's made some good points and yeah. some stuff I want to try. So, okay. so um, I I just I've been wanting to try Queen's Guard for ages. Yeah. But I didn't really have any models. But now I have some models from Last Sword, and I've painted them. So now I'm going to try them. So I've got Queen's Guard on my list. I've got twelve of Banner Becoming Musician. Yeah. Um, I also want to try Grey Grey Watchers. Because I haven't really okay. tried them at all. Yeah. I want to see actually what this minus one to hit Malarkey can do. Okay. Whether it's going to be useful against shooting or whether it's going to be like... So so what what exactly is the rule? So the yeah. way it works, like, the Grey Watch is accurate and hit on 2+. plus. Okay. Aim, aim score 2+. plus. Yeah. So they're basically going to hit on 2+. plus. Yeah. Pretty much unless they move, they hit on 2+. plus. Yeah. So you're going to deploy them like you. You're going to use them in one of two ways, in my opinion. You're going to use them to make war machines hit you worse. So like things like the mortars that yeah. are like decimating your infantry. So if they if they hit something, that something gets minus one. To yeah. Hit. Well. Yeah. yeah. So you want to use them because they get minus one to hit in some instances. So you're going to use them to reduce the accuracy of war machines. Yeah. Or you're going to use them to reduce the accuracy of combat troops that are going to charge your blocks. Yeah. And the way that it works is that if you score a hit on a unit, hmm. for every hit you score, that unit has to take a resilience test. If they fail the resilience test, then they get minus one to hit for close combat and for shooting. Okay. And war machines, war machines always automatically fail resilience oh, tests. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah. So if you're shooting war machine, then if you hit it, then it takes minus one penalty. minus one penalty. Okay. So this is good because if you're playing dragons, like I play dragons. Yeah. So they're hitting a dragon minus one. Yeah. If if they have mortars or like plague catapults, yeah, they're basically probably just going to drink. I don't know what they're called. I think plague catapults is right though. That's fine. <laughs> They're, they're not going to decimate your troops as often. Yeah, definitely. And then you can also kind of dissuade some combats. It basically gives your troops distracting if you know that someone's yeah, going to charge you. Let's say you fail a charge. And yeah, you can at least try to get them to fail the, the yeah, toughness test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Resilient spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if they're good. How much uh, does it run you a unit? I think it's like 180 points or something. For five? For five, yeah. Yeah. The scouts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, they have a lot of special rules. I guess they're still kind of vulnerable, though. That's the yeah, 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 like one magic missile and they're gone. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I, I don't know, I think they're interesting, so yeah. I just want to try them a little bit. Sure. I also want to try single Reaver Chariots, so I have okay. two two of them. Uh, I have my usual five Dragon Ryman Knights. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are really good though. Yeah, five Ramen Knights for musician. Um, that's the crux of the army. Okay. Uh, instead the dragon, of dragon, I'm guessing. Oh, well, let, let me get there. Let me get there. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm also going one Sky Sloop and one Sea Guard Reaper. Okay. Usually it's two. Yeah. But I just want to try one. Okay. Because it's cheaper. Yeah. I think one does the same as two. Yeah, I guess. And I, I find that the Sky Sloop is better than the two Seagull Reapers that you can get. So I, I think yeah, if you yeah. want to optimize, you'd go two Sky Sloops. Yeah, of course. But I don't have the models you one, know. and I don't really care two. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, okay, it's one less thing to try and protect. Yeah. So sure. instead, I'm going Queen's Guard. 
basically, okay. instead of the uh, Seagull Reaper. So I don't want to spend too much on shooting because it then becomes a gun line, so I just yeah. take one. Yeah. Um, the rest of the list in characters is the classic Cranary Tower master build. Yeah. So BSB, Cranary Tower, Great Weapon, Mithril Mail, and Flaming Banner. Uh, he's going to go in the Spearman because I don't have any other infantry. <laughs> and that's just... Well, you do have the Queen's card. <laughs> okay, th- this, is, this is really interesting because I feel like the optimal build is to take a naked Cranary Tower, BSB, yeah. and then the Book of Arcane Power. Okay. That's the optimal build, yeah, in my opinion. It seems really strong. It's fucking strong. Yeah. It conserves your points really well. Mm-hmm. And you still get BSP, you still get Wizard, you get everything. Yeah. And I think this is really strong, but that's not how I want to play it. Okay. I want him to be a combat character as well. Yeah. I don't want him to. I don't want all my points to sit at the back of the board and pew pew stuff. Yeah, because then then you'll be like, yeah, but I could probably add in because, another thing. Because then, then I'm a cunt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, more of a cunt. More of a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you already play Highborn Elves, come on. I just all have right, to accept right, it. Right. Fair enough, fair enough. But like I, I don't want to be like a massive cunt. Actually, we have a we have an email to read out. Ooh, spicy. Uh, <laughs> talking about cunts. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I think this is the optimal build. But I want to I want to run in for combat. So I give him a great weapon. I give him mithril mail, and he's yeah, gonna go. In the I mean, like it's gonna be more fun at least. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. it's more my playstyle. I wanna I yeah, wanna charge it, and he goes in the spears. Twenty eight spears. Roman banner. Full command. And then the new unit in the list mm-hmm. is the 12 Highborn Lancers with full command and rending banner. Yeah. So this I got from Dante. Okay. He's using them to break steadfast units. Because when you charge in a flank with extra rank, yeah. you automatically break steadfast. And oh, this, yeah. is not, this is something that I've been struggling with. Okay. And I, I think it's a really interesting concept. So I want to just see if it works. Like just as an example, like if you charge a unit of slaves in the flank, yeah, they're not steadfast with these. Like with if you charge them with lances, yeah, which is yeah, pretty powerful. Yeah, if you charge a unit of empire halberdiers with all the bullshit, yeah, like, like f- roll to bullshit. wounds, all that oh, crap, man. they're not steadfast, yeah. and you're gonna do way more wounds than them. Yeah, like you literally you one shot like the Death Star if you charge it in the flank. With like, so long as you don't lose your your second rank, yeah. So basically, you can take two two wounds, and from from whatever it attacks it is, yeah. And you don't lose your second rank, and because you're strength five and AP three, you're gonna probably do enough wounds to break to break them. Yeah. So I think this unit actually is really strong. Now I've like thought about it, so I just want to try it and see if it works. Okay. Also in the list is basically a naked dragon prince. So Prince on Dragon with Great Weapon. Okay. Like a normal dragon then? Just or? normal dragon, right. Prince, Great Weapon. Okay. And this is like zoning and stuff. Yeah. And then I also have a Cosmology Mage, Master. Okay. I think it's pretty naked. It might have Magical Heirloom. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah. So that's that's the list. It I think it's not as strong as Dante's list, but it's more my style. Yeah, which is, I mean, you have to play to that as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to try some stuff and see what it was. And I think tomorrow is like a nice opportunity to yeah, we play three, like play two or three games and yeah. and uh, just see what happens. So that yeah, that's what I'm going for. Cool. Have any any thoughts about my choices? 
Uh, well, I mean, like, it is, I, I think it's interesting what you say about, like, trying to keep away from making a gun line. Because, I mean, I feel like Hibernals is one of those uh, lists where you start making it and you're like, I'm not going to make a gun line. But then you're like, yeah, but I definitely need two sky slopes and I definitely need a unit of Queen's Guards. I definitely need a unit of Archers in my core. And suddenly it is a gun line, yeah. whatever the fuck you do anyway. And like, I definitely need a Fire Phoenix because that shit's good. And it's basically just the list becomes a gun line without you, like, you know, without you intending it. Even if you put, like, in a dragon or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but but it's I mean it, so it, so from that aspect it's it's interesting but you still have like a decent amount of shooting I would say yeah I would say so yeah. as well but I think with with the high balance you do need a decent amount of shooting to be competitive and yeah. I think that's a problem yeah but I th- I think you need it I think you need it to control some of the units that you can't deal yeah, with struggle with right? like for example let's just say like three Tusker what the fuck are they called. I think it's Tusker Cav. Uh, Tusker Cav. Yeah, Tusker Cav, yeah. Yeah, the Ogre Cavalry. Like, they're yeah. actually quite hard to deal with for Hyper okay. unless you have Flying Guard. Yeah, I can um, see that. Because they're Res 5, and they yeah, have free up save, and good armor save. So something like that, if if they charge it, like, let's say, Swordmasters, like, small unit of Swordmasters, yeah. or your Spears, yeah. or... Your even if they get the charge on cavalry, then then it's really really bad. Yeah. So, but if you can take off one before they get in, yeah, then it's not it's not unrealistic. Not unrealistic if you have a sky sloop and yeah. a, and a seagull reaper or some queen's guard to mm. to shoot shoot a bit, then then it swings the odds in your favor. Yeah. Especially with magic. So I think I think the shooting is necessary in a hyperbolist because. Yeah. Because then it makes the unfavorable combats more favorable, and because you're res free and have no armor, it, it like it can yeah, get messy. Yeah, and uh, I mean, as soon as uh, every like combat hybrid elsewhere I've ever faced has always like run the the problem that it's like a just a shit ton of bigger infantry blocks, and as soon as you face catapults, everything just dies, <laughs> and it's like. It's not really as like as good as it could be if you just like invested in like a little bit more versatile units. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think the way like my list is moving away from combat blocks. Yeah. Because I, I didn't usually I would have a unit of line guard, a unit of swordmasters, or yeah. a unit of flame wardens because. They're uh, good. Yeah, I mean they they fill a need in the army. It's like a stable block, but. Yeah. But I'm I'm thinking oh, maybe I don't need them. Okay. So I'm I'm want to try without. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit of like a learning experience for me, and also um, also just try something new. Episode something. 37. Oh, good. You still remember? Get nice. with the program, Casman. Yeah, I'm trying. So. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. 
dry start. I think you should start and I'll pick up after the first paragraph. Okay. Write to us and tell us who you think this mail is from. I'll give you one guess. <laughs> Dear Amatine Podcast, please allow me to introduce myself. I am at whiny little faggot 224 on the forums and I am heavily involved in the Ninth Age Kyber Elf community. I'm writing into your podcast to complain. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Last week, I was comfortably sitting in a high street coffee shop, not one of those chains, a much more hipster coffee shop, listening to your podcast and supping my soy latte whilst <laughs> adjusting my man bun and occasionally tweeting pro-communist propaganda. <laughs> Simultaneously, being an insufferable moral busybody on Facebook, a true Hibernelf player through and through. He obviously doesn't know how to use punctuation, because that should be a full stop. <laughs> when I was so shocked and stunned by one of the segments of the Hot Fix episode, great timing by the way guys, only about four months late, sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, that I dropped my iPhone into my pretentious, undrinkable coffee. My feelings were so hurt, I burst into uncontrollable tears. So th this was probably the guy that said he was actually in tears about the <laughs> yeah, Hot Fix. Yeah, exactly. The segment that caused me so much trauma and emotional damage was obviously the lacklustre whinge on the part of Henry P. Miller about the terrifying update to the Hibernelf book. The moaning question was so sedate and reasonable, I'm sure Henry does not even play the army, there was no shrieking, screaming, tears, threats of suicide, violence or any of the other hallmarks of the average Hibernelf rant. Next time you do a rant, at least do it properly, like drunk Patrick on the very next episode, and yell personal <laughs> insults incoherently while whirling your arms around like a demented twat. You guys are clearly Nazis and need punching in the face. Bash the fash. Yeah, I think I think he has some good, uh, good points know, there. Good points, definitely. <laughs> do you want to take the next paragraph? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's just talk about the Heimbor elves for a moment, and let me enlighten the listeners as to how the shit this army actually is. We have at our disposal a huge range of specialized shit units, each specifically tailored for a role that they cannot perform. <laughs> These include some of the best chaff in the game, eagles. Overpriced. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, probably somewhere in the bigger show you see it as well. Some of the best shooting, repeat repeatable throwers and bitches with bows. I think they should definitely be called bitches with bows. I would buy them in that case. <laughs> Some of the best monster killers in the game, Lion Guard. Some of the best combat wood chippers, Swordmasters. Some of the best tanks, Flame Wardens. Some of the best score, scoring Lancer Darts. I, like, actually, sorry, but when I. Is scoring Lancer Darts actually good? No. Okay, yeah, fuck this guy. Some of the <laughs> best magic users, minus one to cast costs. A huge selection of fantastic monsters, each with. A certain role, some of the best characters in the game, for example, the master of the Crown Ring Tower BSB, who is in 90% of the list, so he's probably shit, and he also has leadership 10. Everybody gets leadership 10, right? Some of the most dumb magic item enchantments in the game. Two plus, plus two to ward save anyone. No one takes it. Yeah, okay, sure. What the fuck? And last but not least, a list of big names, big name virtues that just give unreal bonuses as such as 4 plus ward upgrade. What the fuck? Then there's the hereditary spell uh, that is the most bullshit crap I have ever fucking heard. When did any elf army become tanks? Uh, they 
mean to, they're meant to die for fuck's sake. They're fucking elves, and don't even mention the navigator's banner. <laughs> so he's made some pretty solid points yeah, about definitely. the power level of the hybrid elf yeah. book there. Especially the navigator's banner. Everybody takes this, right? Mm. <laughs> sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. I think I think you take it maybe on Lion Guard or Swordmasters, but Yeah. Anyway, the last paragraph says I heard through backdoor channels that you were too limp dick to release a certain segment about a certain ethnic group and their similarity to the dwarves. <laughs> we will rectify this. Yes, definitely. I mean we listen to feedback. That's yeah, that's of course. One of the things we, we, we do. take your feedback and we yeah. react on it. I don't think this is true because the ethnic group, it's Jews by the way, are awesome at everything they do except anything athletic. Whereas dwarfs just run everyone's li- ruin everyone's lives by sitting in the corner and, and winning 11-9 by cannoning off one expensive unit. Fuck dwarfs. If dwarfs are Jews, we can please... Can we please alter the fluff so that the tiny dwarven kingdom is surrounded by a massive area of land controlled by the beast herds who, as... We all know are uh, the army of peace. The poor oppressed beaters just want to bring cultural enrichment and diversity to the patriarchal and exploitative dwarven lands. As we know, race is a social construct and so there's no meaningful difference between dwarf clansmen, KKK, <laughs> and a rampaging minotaur suicide bomber. And if you criticise the beaters for raping and pillaging, then you are racist because it's part of their culture. And as we all know, being racist is worse than being a rapist. So yeah, fuck dwarves. And th- that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no end. It's just spears out. <laughs> so what, 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 what the fuck? What, what? I love the fact that the dwarves. I love the fact that the dwarves are both Jews and KKK members in this person's opinion. <laughs> and racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is definitely a quality. Thank, it? thank you. What, what was your name again? Oh uh, yeah, like Wingy. Wingy uh, little faggot two two four. Thank you for your email. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> More of this in the future, please. Yeah, yeah. Please, please send us a new email. So, because you called us out on it, we're gonna go through the thread that we that we were. I was. I was. We Patrick and I discussed this <laughs> at length. At length. And I didn't dare put it in the podcast because it was not acceptable. Yeah, I know. So, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, so Casimir and I, we're going to address this yeah, exactly. thread. I bring out the bad parts of Henry, basically. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So uh, the thread is called Everything You've Always Wanted to Know About Dwarves. <laughs> but I know for a fact that this thread was not named this. Oh, do you know what it was named? Because I missed this. I can't remember. Oh. But I, I seem to remember it was like, it was basically, the thread, the name of the thread was Dwarves Are Jews. <laughs> and obviously, I would clicked it straight away. <laughs> I was like, what is this guy saying? Yeah. So the next part, we get a little bit racial. Yeah. Rather, we're, we're going we're gonna to read out a post about somebody getting a little racial. Yeah, there was, there was an interesting post in the forum, and um, we were called out that we should talk about it, so we did. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was amusing in some ways, but yeah. it was also a little bit serious. So, if you get easily offended, hopefully you don't get offended. Uh, if you do, very sorry, but this is our podcast, and we wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we we don't agree with it, but we thought we should highlight it. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of 
I mean, I feel like we're we're highlighting how absurd this this guy is for posting this. Like, this is yeah. not. It's not it's like not we're so condoning anything yeah, he says. At all. Yeah. It's uh, it's more the fact that he he has the audacity to to be so stupid on the internet. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's stupid, but it it it's more like why would you bring this up? Yeah. This it's not needed, but it was. It was amusing for us to read it out. Yeah. So maybe we should read out this thread as well. Yeah. Do you do you want to go? How long is it though? It's pretty. It's pretty long. But let's yeah. just read the original post. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I can start. Hi guys. Uh, don't know if this has been discussed earlier <laughs> Probably or not. <laughs> or need to take it into account somewhere else. Probably not. <laughs> it seems not. However, I looked True. for the word Jew. In the search field, and I'm not only associating dwarves with Jews in two different friends, so I'm seizing this opportunity to better illustrate my thoughts. <laughs> dwarves to Jews. <laughs> now, it appears in the discussion that some people might find the using of the word Jew. Like he, I like how he's like, every time he says... For emphasis, Yeah, every Jew. time he says Jew, he has like these arrows pointed towards him. As offending... <laughs> so I've decided to edit this post and replace the word Hebrew or Israeli, 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 sorry, as they'd be more neutral and less likely to promote defensive reactions. So he's he's gone, he's had some feedback on this yeah. thread, on this post, and has changed some of the words exactly to just like synonyms for yeah. Jew. <laughs> so do you want to continue? Yeah. So the idea is. In the Warhammer fantasy battle world, I've always understood dwarves in the Empire to play the same role as the Hebrew people did in Europe in the Middle Ages. What? <laughs> the heck? Even in Lord of the Rings, they're the same. I'm not actually literally saying that dwarves are Hebrews. <laughs> Jews. Jews. <laughs> Despite the title of this thread. Mm -hmm. I mean, they play the same social role. By social role I, role, I mean that in a lot of countries in Europe in the Middle Ages and in many parts of the world today, some social functions, jobs, etc., are slash used to be reserved for a specific ethnic group. For example, in modern... I don't know. Ivory from, Coast. Yeah, okay, Ivory Coast, where I live. Bus drivers and mechanists are from Mali and Jula <laughs> ethnic groups. <laughs> What's so weird? Uh, so bas basically, he's saying basically. where he lives, all the bus drivers are African. Yeah. So so he's saying he's a uh, yeah. It is well known also that in France, until recent until the recent period, tailors are were German coal sellers. Coal sellers. Okay. Anyway, coal we're sellers. from from Auvergne and so on. Also, like. He lives in a very stratified society, I feel <laughs> Clearly, like. clearly. Yeah, it's insane. Like, this is very specific. Yeah, well, he, he lives in uh, Ivory Coast, so... Yeah, maybe. Who, who knows? I've never been there. No, me neither. Okay, and then he finishes this nice summary off with saying, and the Hebrews also played a specific role. It should thus not be surprising to see different ethnic racial groups in the Empire. I'm assuming he means Empire of Sunstone. No, Empire of the Ivory Coast. <laughs> And they should play different social roles as well. What is it that makes dwarves look like traditional Hebrew people? <laughs> <laughs> so, Casimir, <laughs> Casimir, why why does he think that dwarves are like Jews? <laughs> well, 
I'm pretty sure it's because of their like you know that they they hold very firm to their principles and they're quite muscular and this kind of stuff. Right? Well, well, well let's let's see what he says. Let's see what he says. Okay, so he has a few points here, and he starts off a with few. Yeah. <laughs> okay, multitude. This and, is an essay. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, they practice a whole range of specialized crafts that have a lot in common with the ones the Hebrew people used to practice in older times. As Foreign Oaken Shield lists them in The Hobbit. After all, what are, what are we? Merchants, miners, tinkerers, toy makers. Historically, Hebrews... Jews. <laughs> Jews in European cities were also that. People specialized in clockwork mechanics, uh, jewelry, gold lenders, pawn shop owners, etc. <laughs> So, dwarves? <laughs> yeah, apparently dwarves the, the, are one, toy makers. Yeah, this, the second one is, like, great. Yeah, do you want to do a read or should I? So, apparently, dwarves long for the promised land. Mm. The promised land. Yeah. In the real world, that is, Israel. <laughs> in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, that was Karak Eight Peaks and the other Lost Holds. In the Lord of the Rings, that's Erebor and Moria. They all have in common that they were kicked out from their homeland a long time ago by enemies, Romans, then Muslims, Orcs and Skaven, the Balrog and the Dragon. I think it's more interesting to compare Orcs to Romans than it is to compare Jews to Dwarves, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And despite having lived abroad for ages, they still keep their old customs and spend whole evenings crying about how they will come home one day. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming home! They're crying all the time, apparently. Yeah, definitely. Um, Discworld dwarves don't really have this, but there's still the whole Coon Valley. I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah fuck Discworld. Okay. So, apparently, Jews and dwarves have it in common that they both long for the Promised Land. Yeah, especially since this is not mentioned anywhere in Night Age fluff. But yeah. but yeah, let's go for apparently. it. Uh, okay, so the next topic is they have their own secretive religion that they don't really promote outside their own circles. <laughs> cult-like you might say yeah. uh, that was especially the case in War of Fantasy Battle Dwarfs uh, having their secret temples underground in main imperial cities where they worship their own gods Grunji etc because of that other people see them as weirdos <laughs> so he's saying <laughs> that people see Jews that as weird? weirdos yeah definitely especially, especially <laughs> since the second world war like that's how we look at them <laughs> Uh, okay, so this is the best one. <laughs> this is the best one. This okay. is like the best stereotype I've ever heard. Okay, so the, so the dwarves... Jews. Jews uh, they are rumoured to hold lots of gold. <laughs> All the Jew gold. <laughs> Everybody sees South Park, right? And give me the Jew gold, Kyle! Jews hide. Keep together. Jews hide gold in their houses. <laughs> Did you say that? Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Gold in their in their homes. It is it well is known. known. Okay, fact. And the best part. The best part is that he has like little arrows pointed towards facts. It's a well known fact. <laughs> Oh, okay. The last, the Lord of Ring dwarves have a mountain full of gold in Warm of Fancy Bowls 2. The connection between dwarves and gold was quite striking or strong. 
the distilled world wars have a whole song about gold where they just repeat gold 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 <laughs> okay okay oh this is so terrible it's like a bit awkward it's like awkward almost. yeah because i mean like that one is the worst one <laughs> wait 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 no wait, wait it get, just says wait gold. just wait just wait i'm waiting so, they have their own districts. I mean, every old city in Europe has its own Jewish district. Yeah, I wonder why! <laughs> just like you forced them to live in one place. Just like the Warhammer Fantasy Battle Fluff tells us dwarves have their own districts in most big cities. Well, actually, most foreign minority communities in every city in the world tend to form their own districts. Like all those Chinatowns and small Athens. So it's not really relevant, agreed, still. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the fact that he's glossing over the point that like the reason these districts exist is because like usually people in the country were like, fuck you guys, you have to go live somewhere where we don't have to deal with you. But, yeah. But yeah, yeah, sure, let's ignore that. The next one is amazing. <laughs> there... <laughs> oh, there... <laughs> There are prog- pogroms. Pro- pogroms. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. In the real world, Jews or Jewish people were always accused of everything bad happening in the country. But in Warhammer Fantasy Battle World 2, there are many accounts of local human communities turning against the local dwarves for all sorts of reasons. Whole RPG set scenarios were written around that theme. <laughs> I can't. I can't even deal with this. I what? I mean, what is one of the like worst atrocities in European history have to do like, with fancy dwarves? Yeah. Like, when does there ever be a pogrom against dwarves? Just to be clear, we do not support this. No, definitely. In this is fucking insane. Way. This is insane. Like this is like this is the like if you have to wait till you see the comments. Yeah. Oh man, so, like if, this is like one of the worst things we've done in Europe ever. ever. <laughs> exactly ever. But yeah, that definitely that makes them similar to nice works. Yeah. They feel like everyone hates them. <laughs> Dwarves have so many enemies. <laughs> everyone wants to fight them, but they'll always be there, lol. Just like <laughs> lol. Jewish people. <laughs> Why does everyone hate us? What is this guy saying? This guy. Okay. Uh, dwarf language sounds like Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> From, from the few dwarvish texts in Lord of the Rings uh, to the names of dwarvish holds in War of Fatsibal, as well as in the Ninth Age, their language really sounds just a whole lot of Kwakawaraka, Sharindkmaka, Nomnithya, or whatever. Lol. What? <laughs> I want to see. What is this guy doing? I love the fact 
like that he just like types some random shit like shit in and he's like yeah this probably sounds like whatever something like Hebrew <laughs> how is this post not removed like I don't understand <laughs> like they removed so much less like less <laughs> offensive things than this this is so offensive <laughs> it's so offensive <laughs> Like, I mean, you're in Sweden now. Do you understand that this is not okay? We'll be beat up when we go out there. I, mean, I, th- I think uh, Sweden is probably one of the least horrible, to- like the most tolerant yeah. places in the world. Yeah, and- or at least tolerant towards this kind of bullshit. <laughs> like, when every time I go to Denmark, I'm always like a little bit shocked by how, how racist things are allowed to be. So let's read some of the comments. Mm, yeah. Oh, grouchy battery is always funny. Uh, <laughs> a firm but polite no from me. <laughs> Tolkien may have based dwarves off the Jews, but the Warhammer law, they've always been Nordic in background design. Fair enough. <laughs> Next comment. Everyone hates them. Sorry, but I see a fundamental mistake here. Everyone hates elves, not dwarves. <laughs> okay, this is true. And it has 23 fucking likes, and it's, it's fucking true. <laughs> Next one. Mental post. Agree. <laughs> I agree with Grouchy Badger. Warhammer dwarves have always been based on Nordic culture and never Jews. <laughs> I, I also don't get the everyone hates them, accuses them of things. <laughs> dwarves and man has always had a long, mostly good relationship with woman. He's taking it quite seriously. Yeah, exactly. I laughed. <laughs> have an upvote, fair play. <laughs> I've always associated dwarves with Scandinavian law. Yeah. Okay, these are. Let's see if we can get a funny one. If you read the original post, he's actually very careful not to offend. (laughs) (laughs) But just pointing out similarities in history and roles in society, both practical, historically, and perceived, and fantasy myth. Stating that Jews have been perceived as something is not racist. Well, I mean, like, it doesn't have to be with being racist, but it's not offensive. I think he had the, the nicest intentions. But he's replied. Okay, here we go. Well, hi guys, and thank you for all the outrage. When I wrote, everybody hates them, I was not writing about the fact that players or the public hate words. Indeed, they are much loved. Well, I wouldn't say that. That's not true. true. That's not true at all. That's not true. Everyone hates playing dwarves. Fuck dwarves. But rather about the fact that dwarves have a huge part of the culture that gravitates around the idea of... We do not we we do not doing anything bad, but then everyone attacks us all the time. Apparently, uh, they like to think of themselves as victims. Uh, they like to cry for lost ones, for lost land, etc. Just like the Jewish people. <laughs> Still, I've updated the post above to better express what I wanted to say. So he says. They like to think of themselves as victims. They like to cry for lost ones, for lost land. <laughs> like Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, guy. this guy is like... Well, I work in, in an Israeli company and have many Jewish friends from Israel and Belgium. This is like the, the time, you know, like, I'm not racist, but I have a black friend, so it's okay for me to say this. <laughs> the sentence, why does everyone hate us, is a direct quote from my Israeli boss a few weeks ago. I don't have a recording, sorry. <laughs> I know that some people can get upset about stereotypes and so on. Like, I... I 
It's, can we say this on the podcast? I'm not sure. But hey... I'm actually really not sure. We already replaced Mongols by ogres and the ancient Mayas by lizardmen with every single prejudice about them piled up in their fluff. It's meant to be humour, right? <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm not sure it's humor. Also, what I, I wrote not, is it's not fucking humor. I'm sure of it. One hundred percent acceptable by Jewish people I know. Well like, By the way, I didn't the, write Jew, Jews always keep gold around. <laughs> I wrote Jews are rumoured to hold gold. <laughs> as much as most prejudice <laughs> around Jewish people centers around their supposed connection with gold. Same for dwarves. Whereas actually most of those Jewish people living in Paris or Kiev in the 19th century were surely not any richer than most dwarves in the outdoor craftsman district. What? (laughs) I love the comparison. But like... (laughs) He must have the most tolerant Jewish friends ever. Like, if he could show this post to somebody who... who this is like, like a long post. Yeah. Like we're skipping a lot here. Yeah, but like, if he could show, show what he wrote to somebody who is like a... You know, like, somebody cares about like, his Jewish identity. Like, and they'll not be offended. Like, that person is a, like a big person. Like, that's a bigger man than me. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, that's a fucking... That's a, that's a feat right there. So he's, he's, he's like, makes another point. In the background that's already been written, they're just saying that dwarves don't do magic. They long for their lost empire. They're gifted jewelers and engineers. They're very conservative. They are secretive. I don't see anything con- that contradicts my thesis here. <laughs> so he's basically saying that, that, war, like that Jews, are... Jews don't do magic. That's good. I mean, that's a good thing, it's right? It's probably true. Yeah? I mean, like, I, I don't think Christian people do magic either, so I'm pretty sure it's, it's correct, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they long for their lost empire, okay? And they're very gifted jewels and engineers, compliments. Jew, Jews, I guess, uh, yeah. renounced be jewels, and stereotypically. But it's a weird stereotype, <laughs> yeah. but sure. And they're very conservative. Okay. I, I love this post here by Kisanis. Uh, he's, he's a guy that I work with every now and again with a scroll. I applaud your efforts, but I suggest your heading change to something a little bit, little bit more nuanced. And I think this is when he changed it from Jews are dwarves <laughs> to what it is now. Otherwise, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. And that's exactly think, my opinion yeah, as well. That's what we should be doing, yeah. but that's not what we're doing. No. We're, to- we're like intimately touching this. Yeah. Just for the record, I want to say that mostly really enjoy your reading your threads and comments as you're always positive, engaging, and have lots of great suggestions. I wouldn't say this is but positive. But this sure. one took me by surprise. Your edit of the text and title made it better, though. So... It's been edited. Yeah. So it was probably much worse. Yeah, like I, I, I never saw it before it was edited, but um, I did. I can, I can I only did, imagine. I did, and it was much worse. I can only imagine the horrors. <laughs> I, I love the fact. So he has okay. So he has this highlighted in red text. I actually would like to consider this thread as an act of sympathy to all of my Jewish friends and heart. I, this is just terrible. Like, I mean, okay, should we end at this point? So I, I want to... Okay, so there's two things I want to do. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap I wa- okay, so this first, is page two. First of all, 
out wanna, of 15. I want to mention his name because... No, 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 no. Let's, let's not call him out. Just, Are you sure? Yeah, people can find the thread if they okay, want to. Okay, yeah, because if you want to shame this person, you definitely should. And, uh, um, and otherwise, I want to say that we don't agree with anything this poster has said because it's fucking terrible. Uh, and like yeah, it's based yeah. on all these weird things which has nothing definitely nothing to do with the setting of our game and I think he's reading a little bit too much into it and no I mean like I, I think he's connecting things to so I was saying when we were off the air <laughs> that like if you start to look at things like Wagner the, the guy who wrote famous operas which he was he is one of like the people who are obviously not like a Nazi or anti-Semite before the Nazis were big and if you read into his dwarfs and how he just like that, obviously he has a connection to the Jews, but he was also a Nazi. So I mean, then then like you know you're like yeah okay sure whatever, but if you're taking that and trying just trying to staple that onto another fancy universe, it's kind of disingenuous in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I agree. Let's let's just read this last one. Go ahead. I like just to imagine that we can have a sensitive, quiet talk about Jewish culture. Just like about any other culture in the world. I mean, no one is against discussing Indian or Inuit culture in history, so why not Jewish culture? Well, there was this whole Holocaust thing. <laughs> so oh. that's why it's a little bit sensitive, so I probably shouldn't really just discuss it on open form. Just a little bit. About what Jewish culture is and it is not, and how this can or cannot be integrated to inspire our universe without people just making faces like, oh no, not the Jews, that topic is forbidden, as if they were not real people and real culture in our world. Well, I think it is a sensitive topic. Yeah. And it's not something that should be thrown about like this. Yeah, not like this. this. And I mean, it'd be good if we could do something so that Jewish people looking at a game would be like, hey... Looks like this is about us. How great. Oh. <laughs> Man. God. I think I think to me, like what this yeah. person is mit- missing is that this is not like the type of, of role like, you know, when, when Jews were being extremely discriminated against in the Middle Ages or in the early nineteenth century, this is not something which has to do with Jewish culture. It has to do with European culture yeah. and like this kind of stuff where it doesn't matter what culture it is that you're oppressing. The fact is that you have something to oppress. I, th- I think so, it's more so about it's just stero- like... stereotyping. Like, just just stereotyping a culture is. Yeah, but it's it's like basing it of all these things which aren't really connected to like what what is what like what is something like what is something that a Jewish person would identify with. This is not something. This is what he's doing is that he's basing it on the fact of like what would a medieval European person identify Jews with, which doesn't really have anything to do with Jews. It's more like, okay, this is this boogeyman, which I don't know anything about. We're just going to assign bad things to that person. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just to wrap up the show tonight, yeah. how many of the bingo cards did you get? I didn't get, I didn't get a bingo, but I had a no. lot of, uh, we, we mentioned army books. We mentioned uh, team tournaments. Yeah, we would listed army strengths and weakness, warriors of dark gods. Uh, underpowered, overpowered, yeah. my free time. Oh yeah, overpowered. So all, the only thing I really needed was us to talk about trolls. Ah, uh, sorry. So, yeah. Sorry, didn't get bingo. 
We should have. We shouldn't have picked this shit thread. We should have picked a thread about <laughs> fucking Warrior of the Archons. That would have come up really easily. <laughs> so, as we said before, um, if you want to get in touch with us, you get us through amatimedk at gmail.com. Yeah. And we will read your posts and we will react on them. Yeah. If you ask us to discuss dwarves and Jews, we, we will discuss dwarves and Jews. Yeah. If you support us on Patreon, we will send you a t-shirt. And, yeah. So I hope this one was an interesting and enlightening experience. <laughs> and hopefully we didn't offend anyone out there. Uh, if we yeah. did, please get in touch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a, I mean we, we want to enlighten how, how fucking crazy people can be sometimes. Especially on, on our like really small uh, community, right? Yeah. So, so like... You know, just to, to highlight that sometimes maybe you should think twice before you post. And if you just want a bit of fun, just go to search in the in the search in the forum only, like um, search tab top right. Everything you've always wanted to know about dwarves. Far beyond those walls, gleaming black and white, further than our thoughts. Meet you there.